0: This is Jocko podcast number 317 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. All right. The Marine Corps, specifically the Marine Corps Institute has, well, they seem to do this on a regular basis. They put out manuals with with some incredible insight about leadership, about human nature, about combat. And it's not just about combat. <laughs> it's not just about combat at all. The things that they put out apply directly to business and to life in general. And I'm gonna read some excerpts today from a manual that was actually designed for remote learning, and I think these days when we think of remote learning, we think of Zoom mm-hmm. calls. Sure. But this is old school remote learning where you get a book read a book read a section learn about something take tests inside the sections it's a it's one of those it's a remote learning old school remote learning where you'd get a book a manual fill in answers read sections this particular class is called infantry squad leader combat leadership and I'm just gonna review some of the text. If you go online, there's you can go online and get this manual and there's questions and there's quizzes and there's, it's a full on course. But the text that's in it, it's a very well written text and addresses things that apply to everything that everyone does all the time, every day. Stuff, stuff we all have to contend with. So. Here we go, infantry squad leader from the Marine Corps Institute. Combat leadership. Starts off with a little cover letter from the director of the Marine Corps Institute. The the subject course provides instruction for all Marine NCOs on the conditions of combat and how they can begin to prepare their Marines for combat. Now, if you aren't a Marine and you're a business leader, or you're a football coach, or you're a parent in a family, I think you're going to see this applies to you too. 100%. And I don't know, you and I can throw around 100% from time to time, just Mm -hmm. sort of a little bit much, 100%. But I'm telling you this one right here, 100%. -hmm. So starts off, and this is the way they, this is what I like about the Marine Corps thinks through some stuff. Mm -hmm. Here's something they thought through. It starts off with this. Congratulations on your enrollment in a distance education course from the distance learning and technologies department of the Marine Corps Institute. Since 1920, the Marine Corps Institute has been helping tens of thousands of hard charging Marines like you improve their technical job performance skills through distance learning. By enrolling in this course, you have shown a desire to improve the skills you have and master new skills to enhance your job performance. They're building you up just as you read this. You're getting in the game. Here's your personal character. It Actually, is gonna tell you what your personal characteristics are. You are properly motivated you have made a positive decision to get training on your own self-motivation is perhaps the most important force in learning or achieving anything doing whatever is necessary to learn is motivation you have
1: it that's a good tactic by the way
0: you seek to improve yourself now again does this apply to just marines in combat how many human beings are looking to improve themselves everyone You seek to improve yourself. You are enrolled to improve those skills you already possess and learn new skills. When you improve yourself, you improve the core. (laughs) You have the initiative to act. By acting on your own, you have shown you are a self-starter willing to reach out for opportunities to learn and grow. These are like the most positive attributes they can put on a human being and they're just throwing them. How about this one, you accept challenges you have self-confidence and believe in your ability to acquire knowledge and skills you have the self-confidence to set goals and the ability to achieve them enabling you to meet every challenge you are able to set and accomplish practical goals you are willing to commit time effort and the resources necessary to set and accomplish your goals these professional traits will help you successfully complete this distance learning course. I was actually thinking we were gonna go into like a whole nother realm of living, but it is gonna help us with this distance learning course as well. Uh, Starts off a little section called characteristics of combat. Every Marine is a warrior, a potential combat leader. You may be in combat tomorrow. Regardless of how well your unit is trained, you must harden yourself for your first action. You do not need to experience combat in order to understand the essential requirements for leading your Marines in combat. However, it's fundamental, it is your fundamental responsibility to physically and mentally prepare yourself and your Marines for battle. Now, are we just talking about Marines? What about life? Mm-hmm. What about life? You may be in a hard situation tomorrow. That's what's going on. So you got to prepare for that. So this starts off with an excerpt. This is probably the longest excerpt that I'm going to read. It's from a book called The Forgotten Soldier by Guy Sayre. It's a book that we actually haven't covered on this podcast. I'll go into a little bit of why that is, but here we go. We had just witnessed two or three major assaults. From the screams of anguish to our left, we concluded that a great many of our men had been killed. We had emptied five magazines and were warming our fingers on the hot metal of the machine gun. Our sixth and last magazine had been attached and we were anxiously waiting for fresh supplies. The night was continuously lit by the explosions of thousands of Russian shells, which made movement extremely difficult. Our trenches, which in any case were not deep enough, extended only to certain positions. The others had to be reached by leaps and bounds, alternating with plunges to the ground and writhing on our stomachs across dozens of yards of snow mixed with chunks of frozen earth. From time to time, we could see four figures moving toward us, jumping from crater to crater, carrying shells for our 50mm mortar and magazines for the Spandau. They were still about 40 yards away when their shadowy mass was surrounded by a flash of white light. We never heard any cries. A few minutes later, I was sent out to crawl to the point of impact. The sergeant ordered me to bring back at least two magazines. I had just arrived at my destination when I heard the Russian assault cry, followed by a shower of grenades and mortar shells. The ground shook beneath me in a manner which defied all predictions. I felt like a pea inside a fierce, ferociously beaten drum. I was lying flat on the ground among the bodies of comrades killed only a few minutes before, unable to see any of the supplies I'd been sent to fetch. Then I heard the sound of a tank. The darkness all around me was broken by streaks of light and large pink and yellow explosions. In a momentary beam from some headlight, I could see a small sign marked S-157. I opened my mouth wide as prescribed because I could hardly breathe and lay where I was frantically groping for something to hang on to in the diabolical setting where horizontal and vertical alternated to the rhythm of the lights which slashed the darkness. I thought that I could recognize the uproar, the crackle of the weapon I had operated with Weiner before I had only left a moment ago and felt that my sanity might be close to collapse. I could see no escape from my situation and lay glued to the ground with my head down like a trust animal waiting for the butcher's axe. So it goes on a little bit further with this this section, which is out of that book, The Forgotten Soldier. And we haven't covered that book on uh, on that podcast, The Forgotten Soldier, we probably will at some point. There's some disputes about the veracity of the book and the author I think I was just reading a little bit more about this last night. The author, guy Sarah, he he there's some important details that he misses that he just gets it wrong. Mm. One of them is there's some patch that they had in this in this unit. And it was this highly regarded patch. And he talks about how they sewed it onto their right sleeve or left sleeve or something like that. And people that were in that unit said no way would any buddy that was in that unit ever make a mistake about where to sew that patch on. That's, That's one of the types of things or there's certain weapons that he talks about that. Weren't there? He talks about an aircraft that didn't exist at this time, mm. so there's some things in there that there's some details that were wrong, and some of the veterans that fought all, fought in the same battles as him have called him out and said, "This guy's not telling the truth about some stuff." And then there's other veterans that talk about the battles or that he writes about and say, "Hey, the only way he would know this stuff is if he was there." Mm. So, and here's the thing: memory is not accurate. Mm-hmm. and people's memories aren't accurate. And certainly people's memory about intense combat operations isn't accurate. And he eventually made a statement about that and kind of said that. Said, hey, if you want to know the historical details, go ask a general. That was an, actually, I'm about to go off a little bit. He doesn't say that. Go, he says, go ask a military historian, go ask a general, because that's what they do. I didn't want to do that. I, my book is about the emotions of a combat soldier.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <sighs> But the reason they put this in here is to get a good account of the chaos and mayhem and fear inside of combat, and then you roll right into this section here, which is called fear of combat. It starts off with this. We have all experienced fear. In combat, fear can dominate the situation unless you and your Marines can control it. Extreme fear brings out your instinct for self-preservation, survival drive, Survival is a very strong drive, which generally will be a priority concern to any Marine and as I was reading this and again, I'm reading these things in the context of life and Fear is something that people contend with every single day and it's on all kinds of different levels yeah. but whether it's fear of presenting in front of a client whether it's fear of asking for a raise, whether it's fear of confronting some situation, whether it's fear of going to a jiu-jitsu class for the first time, like there's all kinds of fears that people face on a daily basis. And here's some good information that, yes, it'll help you if you're a combat Marine, but it'll also help you if you're a human. Specific sources of fear. Peacetime training may not prepare your Marines for the reality that combat is often a matter of kill or be killed. Some of the specific sources of fear in combat are possibility of being killed, wounded, or captured, fear of killing, noise and sights of combat, apprehensive that you might not measure up as a Marine under fire, and the last one is fatigue. So possibility of being killed, wounded, or captured, this is a natural source of fear and always we will be present in your Marines. They may lead your Marines to run away from battle or do irrational things in battle. There is no sure way to know which Marine may be subject to such an extreme reaction to fear, to this fear, until you get into combat. Fear of killing. This is not uncommon. Our society is a peaceful one by nature. We are raised to respect the rights of all human beings and, have to, and to have respect for life. To forget these facts is to ignore the reality of our culture. Another one is the noise and sights of combat. These elements have a traumatic, shocking impact on the senses. This causes confusion and a sense of chaos that be- can become particularly unnerving. No peacetime training can completely prepare you and your Marines for the carnage and emotional impact of combat. To ignore this aspect of combat is to create a lack of understanding of that could prove totally debilitating to your Marines. One thing I like about this is, is it's no, no no punches are pulled. Mm. Hey, guess what? The carnage and emotional impact of combat are you're not going to be able to train for that 100. percent mm. You can't completely train for that. It's not. It doesn't sugarcoat. And then the last one is the apprehension that you might not measure up as a Marine under fire or let your buddies down may be common among your Marines. All of your Marines want to be successful. Their fears, pl- their fears may play on this desire and they may be deathly afraid of letting you or their fellow Marines down. This particular fear may serve as a positive factor by keeping your unit cohesive during battle. It could be detrimental if the fear overcomes the desire to succeed. And they've got a quote in here from SLA Marshall, "Met Against fire. When, fire. when fire sweeps the field, nothing keeps a man from running except a sense of honor, the bound obligation to the people right around him of fear of failure in their sight which might eternally disgrace him. So it's, it's interesting to think about. So this is, like it says, a positive factor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how does it become a negative factor? It becomes a negative factor when your fear of letting people down doesn't allow you to actually go and do something. Mm-hmm. So if you, uh, obviously on the battlefield, that could be a thing. Hey, I'm not gonna go. I don't want to do, I don't want to take charge of that. I don't want to step up because I don't want to make a bad decision. I don't want to let my friends down. Mm-hmm. And it can happen in everyday life. I and mean, this, this does happen in everyday life, right? People don't want to look stupid. People don't want to have people uh, say, oh, you know, Jocko failed. Mm-hmm. Jocko's a loser. So instead, I just, Don't try anything. So we have to be careful of that. This is, I think, a good thing to think about is even though people, let's say you try something, echo Charles, Mm -hmm. and you fail, I might even verbally, oh, echo, see he's a loser, but you know what, I think subconsciously, and in some cases consciously, everybody knows Everybody respects that you got, you know, you got up, you, you, you took a swing, right? Yeah. Took a swing at bat.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and especially if they're cowards themselves and it's really easy to sit in the, in the, in the, in the audience and watch and poke fun. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't be that person that sits in the audience and pokes fun. Yeah. Get up to bat.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't be afraid of looking bad. I guess my point is don't be afraid of looking bad because you don't actually look bad.
1: Yeah.
0: When you make an attempt, when you step up, people respect it. Even if they try and bring you down, they're, they're lying. Yeah. They're just trying to bring you down because they know that you stepped up and they didn't. Yeah. Don't be afraid of that. And the last source of fear is fatigue both mental and physical fatigue is a source of fear. As you become exhausted, your ability to reason may begin to deteriorate. As you become more and more tired, you may become indecisive and slow in carrying out your orders. When confronted daily and constantly with the stress of combat coupled with fatigue, you and your Marines may feel helpless and unable to continue the fight. And they've got a quote in here from Major General Hart from a book called Determination in Battle. It says, there's no doubt that troops, however well led, can only take the stress of battle for so long. Then they break. Ask any commander at any level who tries to overdraw the account is courting disaster. The mental and the physical constantly interact. Therefore, physical fatigue, hunger, disease, thirst, and above all, the stress of adverse climatic, climatic conditions can reduce the physical state of the soldier to such an extent that his will to fight will be broken. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. Echo Charles? Yes, sir. It does. Do you agree with that?
1: I agree with that 100%.
0: <laughs> do you feel like I'm personally attacking you right uh, now? Oh Yeah, I do 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is a disturbing thing. But this is something that you don't fall prey to it quite as much, but man, in the early days of jujitsu and by early days, I mean, when you were like a purple belt,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you didn't like getting tired at all. No. It used to really bother you.
1: I still don't like getting tired, mm. but I think, you know, when you can kind of reconcile the whole big picture where, you know, you know, this, this kind of, you know, it's obvious now we're like, okay, the best way to fight your fear is to get used to mm-hmm. that thing. That's that, you know, that you don't like or whatever. So, Yeah, so yeah, you condition, but but here's, this is how I know that I still don't like it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Where like, if I didn't, if I haven't done any conditioning for a while, and I'm like, I gotta get back into conditioning that first day, I'm like, oh my god, this is, I can feel it. It's like, is it? Is I wouldn't call it a fear of the conditioning, but you ever had a work? Yeah, like you know, okay, you know how you used to talk about the twenty rep squats, mm-hmm. right? You know when you got the twenty rep squats mm-hmm. coming, and you know that pain is coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you kind of get the butterflies a little bit before the. I mean I don't know if you do.
0: Uh, I don't get the butterflies. I, I get like the. I get rationalization. Uh, you know, so I'll be thinking. Ah, you know what? I don't. This is, is this really kind of the workout that's really good for you? You know what I mean? I'll like <laughs> yeah. start having all these conversations yeah. with myself. Yeah. And it just that, lies.
1: Yeah. And that's part of it too. But mine was for real, like, I'll, I'll be nervous of the conditioning. Like I don't, because, hmm. and maybe this has a lot to do with like the kind of workouts that I've always like done or whatever, mm. where you kind of have a standard where, you, you know, okay, so if I have four exercises that I'm going to do as part of a conditioning circuit, I have four exercises, and I do one, I do the other, do the other, the other, and I, and I have a time to rest in between, like, mm-hmm. you know, 20 seconds or 30 seconds, or do them all with no rest and then rest 30 seconds or whatever. Mm-hmm. To me, if I don't, if I have to rest more than thir- the 30 seconds, like, fuck, I can't go. You know, like, I can't, like, you know, 30 seconds comes and I can't go because mm-hmm. I got to rest more, mm-hmm. I failed the workout. Mm-hmm. It's like going for a PR and failing it, right? How
0: long, how do you measure the 30 seconds?
1: I have a clock going.
0: What do you press start when you get to the end of whatever you're doing?
1: No. So you you just have the stopwatch going. Uh So you start it and Uh then you do it and you keep the stopwatch at that first circuit. Mm -hmm. So when you're done and you're back to the first circuit or you're you're finished the last circuit, you see and you, you do the math in your hand. Oh, you
0: just run the math. Yeah. Do you ever do workouts where you're not thinking straight? Like as far as running math? Because sometimes when I'm I'm not running math, yeah. man, so oh, yeah. it's an added thing. There's just some things going
1: on where yeah. it's not happening. Yeah, thirty seconds is easy though. Yeah. To run the math. But oh yeah, it's an additional mental thing that mm-hmm. kinda is like a little mental conditioning for <laughs> Yeah, A little bit. <laughs> 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 but I'll be nervous though before it. Like if I don't if I haven't been doing it for a while, I'll be like kinda nervous, mm-hmm. like what if I get? Do it. You know, it's my workout. What Mm. the hell? What am I scared of? You know, (laughs) but it's like I'll have that thought. It's weird.
0: All right. Well, that's an effective fear, which is the next section here. Effects on the squad. Fear is infectious. It can destroy the effectiveness of your squad. Recognize fear and deal with it promptly. Boy, is that important as a leader. Automatic body reactions. Physically, your body reacts when threatened or when you anticipate danger. Listed below are automatic body reactions to fear. Trembling. Heart pounding. Irrational laughter. Sweating. Tunnel vision. Auditory exclusion. Fight or flight response. Have you ever been trembling in fear before?
1: Not that I can... What about...
0: Of. So when you're getting ready for one of these workouts <laughs> that you're scared of... <laughs> no,
1: I'm not trembling in fear,
0: now. Have you ever... I remember sometimes when we were getting ready to do an op, like I'd look at some people in the room, and sometimes they... Not... Tre- I'm trembling, no, but uh, like shaking, like yeah. uh, like tapping their foot real hard and yeah. just that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. um, moving well, around a lot, yeah, super I mean, nervous.
1: Well, that makes sense, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going, <laughs> going on a... Military operation yes sir I understand that mm-hmm. but no I haven't been on a military operation so You know what I guess in football games before football games I'd yawn all the time for no oh, reason yeah, That's one of those things it's like involuntary yeah where it's weird but what about
0: uh Your stomach Yes you know like I'm feeling a little bit sick
1: yeah, so it'd be, and it wouldn't be my stomach. I'd have a weird gag reflex. And remember, remember Scott Catlin? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he would, like, every once in a while he'd be at the tournament with me or whatever, mm-hmm. and he'd be in training with me and stuff a lot. So in the tournaments, like, before my first match only, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have a weird gag, like, almost like <laughs> I want to throw up. <laughs> and I, I didn't feel consciously nervous, yeah. but. Obviously you were. Obviously, yeah, my body was, like, dude, I wouldn't, like, throw up, but. I'd have a weird gag thing and he'd be like, don't start that shit now. And actually,
0: you know what though? What I messed up here is that this is, I guess it's not, it's not, it is fear. I was going to say maybe this is just about fatigue because it says fatigue causes fear. I was thinking that this was just fatigue, but no, this is actually just what fear does to you. Some psychological reactions too. Inability to make decisions, obsession with minor details. Oh, I've seen that before. Lack of confidence, breakdown of discipline. You, in in um, psychology for the incompetence, military incompetence, he talked about how some leaders would become obsessed with details. Yeah. And that's because they were just scared.
1: Yeah.
0: They're like, oh, we need to do this again. Oh, let me go, let me go. Yeah. yeah. Something to watch out for. Some extreme reactions to fear occur when the individual has confronted a situation where death appears to be imminent. During such instances, two basic forms of behavior have been observed. Aggression and rage, one. Freezing under fire, two. Go into some details. Aggression and rage. From Combat Motivation by Anthony Kellett is a statement from a German soldier on the Eastern Front during World War II describing how German soldiers reacted when overrun by Russian hordes. The quote below describes aggression and rage. We fought like rats, which do not hesitate to spring with all their teeth bared when they are cornered by a man infinitely larger than they are. And then Freezing Under Fire, the other end of the spectrum. From Men Against Fire by S.L.A. Marshall came the term Freezing Under. Writing about action in Omaha Beach, World War II, the quote below describes free freezing under fire. They sat there numbly in the line of fire, their minds blanked out, their fingers too nerveless to hold a weapon. Fight or flight, that's what we're talking about. And here's some conditions that stimulate fear. You gotta overcome your own fears. Though you share the same risks and fear, you must be able to overcome your own fear and provide the leadership necessary to achieve success in combat. The Marines you lead are your Marines. You have lived, trained, sweated, and grown into an effective fighting unit together. Before you face a violent, brutal, and cunning enemy, you must understand the conditions that stimulate fear, inspire confidence, and encourage in encourage in your Marines. There's a quote here from battle leadership, Captain Von Schell, which we covered on like, I don't know, maybe the fourth or fifth podcast here. In peace, we learn how to lead companies, battalions, regiments, even divisions and armies. We learn in books and by maps how one fights and wins battles, but we are not instructed in the thoughts, the hopes, the fears that run riot in the mind of the frontline soldier. There are three conditions that stimulate fear. Unexpected, unknown, and feelings of helplessness. That's a good breakdown. Yes, it is. Unexpected. yeah unknown. Uh oh. Yeah. And helplessness. Oh. Yeah.
1: And I think that's <laughs> the tired part, right? Where tired mm. fatigue is. It's like part of fear. Yeah, because you know you're gonna be helpless, straight up.
0: Unexpected. Enemy actions that appear as a surprise will have a powerful impact upon your Marines. Being surprised by the enemy has been described as causing the, quote, will that controls fear to sag and crumble, end quote. When your Marines begin to sense that they do not have control over their situation, they may begin to panic. At such moments, you must exert a strong influence upon them to maintain control over the unit's actions. Surprise is a big deal. And you know, I, I can't help but, but think of this, I also think of the other end of the spectrum, the opposite end of the spectrum, which is what you want to impose surprise on your enemy, mm. right? You want to, that's one of the, speed, surprise, and violence of action. Mm. Like one of the mottos of the SEAL teams,
1: mm. and really of
0: combat in general. Because mm. that's what it does, it just, it's the same thing, in, you know, like on the mats. That surprise thing, phew, yeah. That's when you get caught. Unknown, your Marines will worry about what they have not seen and what they do not know. You will have a tendency to think the enemy is much greater in strength or ability, but really is not. Do not be deceived as to enemy strength or capabilities through exaggerated impressions. This is Mikey and the dragons, mm-hmm. right? The dragons, you think the dragons are all gonna be big and scary, but they're not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this is something important to think about because The context here is like, hey, you're leading troops, and they're scared of the enemy. They're scared of your competitor. They think the competitor's got all the advantages. They don't. Feelings of helplessness. You, and it's got that capitalized. You must prevent this from taking hold. Act to direct and inspire the response against the enemy. Everyone has a job that must be accomplished. Ensure that everyone is doing what must be done and this is key, action is a way to prevent this condition from taking hold. Keep your Marines busy. Now look, I, I I don't like saying keep people busy, and they do actually talk about this a decent amount in this book, but I have to admit that it is true. The The same thing that causes an individual to get obsessed with some details is the same thing when you're, te- they're trying to distract their mind from what's going on. So you can actually utilize w- activity mm-hmm. to prevent this but also so there's there's one thing like oh I can see that Echo's nervous about tomorrow hey Echo can you do me a favor and uh, you know help me load up the the vehicles with water and you're like okay cuz now you're thinking about that
1: yeah.
0: that's one part of it like almost an administrative part of it but then also if there's something happening for if we're in a gunfight and you start freaking out or you start to look scared, you know, it's Echo, get over there, pick up security in that door. Okay, now you got something to do, you, got, you know. So there's an administrative way to do it and there's also a, an active moment to actually give people direction. And as soon as we're taking action, we're moving in the right direction. We're moving in the right direction if we're taking action. One of the worst things we can do is let the team sit there and dwell over what's unfolding around us. Let's do something. There's an example in here. He was firing behind a log. His face was gray. His eyes were dull and without hope. He stopped firing and looked around. It didn't do any good, he said. His voice was flat, and he was speaking to no one in particular. I got three of them, but didn't do any good. They just kept coming. They just keep coming. Platoon Sergeant Kazimir Palakowski known as Ski, said, what the hell are you beefing at? You get paid for it, don't you? The kid managed to grin as Ski crawled on down the line. The boy, now a man, was once more squeezing him off. That's from a book called Guadalcanal Diary. Richard Tregaskis. Leadership role. Additionally, the first shock of realizing that the enemy actually intends to kill you is a powerful factor that everyone will face. Until this threshold is crossed and your Marines become accustomed to the to functioning under fire, you must act decisively to ignite the confidence and individual actions that will transform fear into an aggressive response. Your presence as a leader has tremendous value in overcoming fear, particularly at night, adverse weather, or during lulls in the action. During these times, imaginations run wild. And your Marines think they may be alone or isolated. So again, taking action and, and influencing there to be action in these moments when people are nervous or scared, that's a great move to overcome fear. Next section is stresses of combat. And again, these are extreme examples. These is combat examples. But there's stress in every job. There's stress stress in every business. There's stress in life. Killing the enemy that's trying to kill you is only half the battle. To your Marines, enduring discomfort, fatigue, and the other hazards and stresses of combat is what must be done so they can succeed in combat. Sources of stress in combat. Fatigue, discomfort, casualties, boredom. As you become, for fatigue, as you become increasingly tired, you will lose the ability to make decisions rapidly. You will become more easily confused, disoriented, and ultimately ineffective. You must understand the effects of fatigue on yourself and your Marines and when to provide for rest, especially amidst the chaos of battle. Here's some key indicators of fatigue. Reckless disregard for safety yourself. Of self or fellow Marines excessive caution or unwillingness to expose oneself to risk failure to fire weapons lack of concern for the condition of weapons or other equipment lack of concern for personal cleanliness so all those things are what we need to watch out for as leaders when people are not engaged anymore Develop, here's some things you can do. Develop a sleep plan for your unit that, to ensure that everyone, including yourself, gets a minimum of four hours of sleep per day, situation permitting. <laughs> Rest is preventative treatment that keeps senseless casualties from occurring. So there you go, Echo Charles. Got to make sure, make sure. I want you to make sure you get four hours.
1: Yes, okay, all right.
0: Uh, hey, listen, for those people that are freak out cause I wake up early and think I hate sleep. I don't hate sleep. Sleep mm-hmm. is good for you. You should sleep a bunch. It's when you heal, it's when you get strong. It's how you maintain your, your mental and physical health. So you should sleep and you should sleep a lot, which is why I thought it was kind of funny that they said, Hey, look, four Hey, hours. at a minimum, you gotta get four hours.
1: Yeah, you got to get. I will four. say
0: that's a number though in, in extreme situations. 4 hours is a is like a something that you can maintain function on for a long period of time.
1: Yeah.
0: I know I can. Under 4 hours and it starts to chip away at me after a while.
1: Yeah.
0: But if I can sleep for 4 hours, I'm kind of stoked a little bit. <laughs> cool. N- n- no. And on a normal day, you know, like normal day-to-day life, I sleep like 6 hours, you know. Cuz that's what the body needs. Some people it's 8, some people it's 5, you know, different. Yeah. Uh, Marines adversely suffering from the effects of being cold, wet, hungry, thirsty, or weary will will determine their ability to fight well. Marines tend to develop a high tolerance for enduring the extremes of weather without much support. However, there is a point where morale is affected and your unit's actual ability to fight becomes questionable. At the first opportunity, provide dry clothing, protection from the elements, food, and water. There you go. Sources of stress in combat the following excerpt from battle at best By SLA Marshall describes how taking care of your Marines pays its dividends in combat And again, we covered SLA Marshall on this podcast I forget what number and there's some definite concerns with the veracity of him and some of the information that he put out, but as I said when we covered on the podcast, don't throw out the baby with the Mm bathwater. This is a really interesting case. At dark on 8 December, the snowfall ceased and the cold intensified. Down along the canyon road near the water gate, a brisk wind was piling the drifts as high as a man's head. At the battalion CP, which was partly sheltered by the canyon wall, the thermometer read 30 degrees below zero. Up on the wind-swept crags where Abel Company was clearing Chinese dead from the bunkers to make room for its own ranks, and at the same time preparing to evacuate its own casualties down the iced slopes of the mountains. It must have been a touch colder than that, though there was no reading of the temperature. All batteries had frozen. Weapons were stiffening the camp long since had run out of water because of the freezing of canteens To ease their thirst the men ate snow and seemed to thrive on it But of the many problems raised by the weather the most severe one was getting an average good man to observe What the field manual so easily describe as a quote common-sense precaution? for example Prior to marching, Captain Barrow of Abel made certain that each of his men carried two spare pairs of socks. But that safeguard did not of itself ensure his force, though the men with feet sweated from the rigors of the day were all at the point of becoming frostbite casualties by the hour of the bivouac. And here's here's what Captain Barrow said. I learned that night that only leadership will save men under winter conditions. It's easy to say that men should change socks. Getting it done is another matter. Boot laces become iced over during prolonged engagements in snow drifts. It's a fight to get a boot off the foot. When a man removes his gloves to struggle with the laces, it seems to him that his hands are freezing. His impulse is all against it. So I found it necessary to do this by order, staying with the individuals until they had changed, then making them get up and move about to restore circulation. That process, simple in the telling, consumed hours. By the time Beryl was satisfied that his command was relatively snug, it was wearing on toward midnight. Right then his perimeter was hit by a counterattack, an enemy force in platoon strength plus Striking along the ridgeline from 1081 in approximately the same formation which Barrow had used during the afternoon. All that needs to be told of his small action is summed up in Barrow's brief radio report. They hit us. We killed them all. All that we could see. We have counted 18 fresh bodies just outside our lines. And by the way, this is Captain Barrow that became the 27th Commandant. So he had to go person to person and physically make sure they were doing exactly what he told them to do. Because the tendency is to curl up into a ball and die. And, you know, we, we covered uh, some of the, or, or one of the prison camps in Korea, and that, that individual specifically talked about that decision. Is there was people that just, they just gave up and they're not going to do anything else, and they're not going to try, and they just accepted death. And the guys that lived were the guys that said, no, I'm not going to give up. But these little things, like, you know, your feet are sweating and your socks are wet from working all day, Mm -hmm. climbing up this mountain, and then you get up there and you're going to be up there for a while, you have to change your socks or or else you're going to freeze. And your ices are laced up, and it's colder than 30 degrees below zero. Here's another source of stress in combat, casualties. Seeing a fellow Marine go down has a traumatic impact upon you and your Marines. Brutal Combat is brutal and casualties are to be expected. The shock of seeing your buddies wounded or killed and the possibility that may happen to them adds to the fear and apprehension of the survivors. It increases your Marines' reluctance to take risks and obey you. How individuals respond after their unit has taking casualties is a key indicator of their effectiveness of their training, self-discipline, and preparation for combat. Proper care for your wounded has a great effect upon morale, assuring your Marines that if they are hit, their fellow Marines will take care of them. There's an unwritten code among Marines that if wounded and unable to fend for yourself, another Marine will come to your aid. And, and look, that exists in the Marine Corps, but that should exist in your team too, in your organization. Someone has a problem, someone has an issue, someone has a sick kid, someone has... A they get sick themselves, and you take care of them, that's going to help them. It's going to, it's going to bring your unit closer together. It says your Marines need to recognize that the quicker they take the objective, the quicker their fallen comrades get help. Stopping to take care of your fellow Marines during the assault will bog down the unit during the assault Marines cannot stop to aid a fallen comrade The corpsman will take care of the casualties in the best possible manner until you are able to send for help That's something we learned basically day one win the fight Mm -hmm. That's also a prioritize and execute scenario Mm -hmm. That's probably the first prioritize and execute thing that I ever learned Mm -hmm. You got to win the fight At the first opportunity, leaders and comrades should look for casualties. Every Marine must be accounted for. Dead and wounded are removed from the combat area as soon as possible. And there has got a section here about boredom. In combat, the squad leader should fight inactivity and boredom with the same tenacity used against enemy troops. That might be a bit strong. <laughs> look, I don't want my troops to be bored, but I'm going to be more tenacious against the enemy than I am against boredom. <laughs> The boredom and that inactivity produces can negatively impact your squad if they become complacent. When the, time comes, when the time for combat comes, this inactivity may result in a less effective unit. And there's another thing. This do, one thing that I think is good, good to think about. If you push somebody, if, you, if you're giving someone something to do, kind of making, almost making it up. Not quite, but like, hey, we're going to run this battle drill again. Mm. Hey, we're going to do another briefing. Hey, we're, we're going to review this. Hey, we're going to maintain our weapons again. If you're doing that kind of stuff, you should, you should give them time for, hey, right now we got an hour. Relax. Yeah. You should give them a specific amount of time to stand down, to relax, to take a knee, whatever. I think that is important too. If you're trying to keep them busy all the time. That's not smart. You need to find a moment to go, okay, hey, we got a half an hour. Everybody take your, take your rock off. Relax. (sighs) Yeah. See here. It says, keep your Marines occupied by delivering intelligence briefs, reviewing the rules of engagement, rehearsing immediate action drills during the lulls and pace of operations by doing so. So you prevent disciplinary problems by turning your squad's thoughts away from them themselves to the work at hand. Again, Good, yes, I like it, I agree with it, however, comma, you got to give people a little bit of downtime.
1: Is that kind of parallel, whatever, to uh, the idea of, you know, okay, so you go to the gym, we'll Mm -hmm. say, right? So let's say you want to go to the gym after work, not before work, Mm -hmm. right, after work. So if you, let's say, as a routine, you go from work, you get off work, and then you go straight to the gym, Mm -hmm. that's better then going home first, Mm. decompressing a little bit, then going to the gym,
0: right? You know, I don't know if what you're talking about is the same thing, but it's 100% true.
1: I think so, though, because, you know, when you get, like, downtime or whatever, like too much downtime, essentially, right? Like where it's not like you have to rest and recover from work to go to the gym, unless you do, and that's a whole different thing. I'm talking about the idea that you come home from your office, you know, and you're physically not exhausted. Maybe mentally Mm -hmm. you are but whatever. You go straight to the gym because you don't give your your mind, Mm -hmm. just like I always said, a chance to think about like yourself, your own like how am I feeling? I'm in the mood and it's like it kind of creeps up on you, you know, when you have that downtime. But if you go straight to the gym, you're like, hey, we're still we're still moving, you know? Yeah. You don't get a chance to do that. That's true.
0: That is that is accurate. And then if you take that to the extreme where you all of a sudden you're not getting any rest at all, you don't have any downtime then you got to watch out for that.
1: Yeah, that's almost like the idea that let's say your your job is like super physically demanding. Mm-hmm. Like you're a, what what would you would you say a drywall hanger or something? That's drywall hanger's getting after it. Yeah. yeah, well, that's one that you said you did. Was yeah. kind of hard. Either way, let's say you did, you know, 11-12 hours roofer, of that. Roofer, let's say roofer. A roofer. Yeah, yeah, in the hot sun mm-hmm. even boom okay go home take a little snoozer even mm-hmm. then hit the gym you can be kind of like refreshed a little bit i bet
0: you'd be better off just going straight there though. sometimes face it. i think
1: so sometimes i think
0: that there's plenty of people here at our gym where they're coming off of a long day of working construction and then it's like right onto the mats you know yeah i think that's a better move bro i would I, for me it's a better move
1: mentally it's a better move i think yeah physically no, you go recover a little bit mm-hmm. That's what I, I think But you're driving here You know
0: you got like a half an hour or whatever you know, That's what I'm vehicle. saying
1: Mentally But because when you're driving here You're thinking about mm-hmm. training More than you're thinking about relaxing okay. I'll tell you that You go home Have a snack turn on the TV just yeah. for a little you're bit. You're letting the window you know? close. That was one of the better <laughs> yeah.
0: conversations we once had was you're letting that window close. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's
1: getting a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller. Oh,
0: can't yeah. make it. Oh, you know, I got a little too busy. Yep. Sometimes my wife will wake up early. Hell yeah. And like there's that, you know, whatever, that uh, gravity of, you know, she's, oh, you know, talking to me and stuff. Oh, <laughs> right. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we have workouts to do, you know,
1: (laughs) know. but yes, or or like I'll come back
0: down to the house to like grab some more water or something Mm -hmm. because I'm in my garage, you know, Uh, and then I go back down to like grab some water and she's awake and she's having a cup of tea because she's from (laughs) England yeah! and she's like, oh, morning, and I'm like, and there's that gravity, you know.
1: Yeah, I kind of wish she.
0: Honestly, no offense to my wife, I kind of wish she wasn't away because I kind of want to like hang <laughs> yeah. out with her a bit, you know. Yes, and I uh, have to not.
1: Oh yeah, that's real. That's real. Even with us, when we show up here, whatever mm-hmm. we want to talk about some stuff, you know, mm. do this, do that. Yeah, the workout thing, especially with your wife, because even if you don't want to talk to your wife, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's my case. <laughs> 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 Maybe, maybe not. Either way, even if you don't want to talk say, hypothetically, to her, hypothetically, you, you can't just her. disrespect her mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, cool story. I'm busy. She knows what you're doing. You're yeah. working out. Take a minute. Yeah. Talk to me. I'm your wife, yeah. you know, for better or worse, yeah. all this stuff. And you're over here just dissing me for like some f- curls or whatever <laughs> you're doing in there. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's what it really does feel like when you're doing it. So, yeah, I can jam you up. Mm.
0: I hope my wife sleeps. I like it when she, she I like it when she sleeps a little later. You
1: know, get gets her rest. Yeah. Get man. some rest. Girl.
0: I dig it. Get I some rest. Um, success in Combat. The focus of this study unit is to teach you the important factors of leadership so you can perform better as a leader in both peacetime and in combat. The way that you respond to these leadership challenges is crucial to achieving success in combat. Factors to success. As an infantry squad leader, you control the lives of 12 marines they look to you for instruction and guidance this part is important your most casual remark will be remembered your clothing vocabulary and method of leadership will be imitated they're listening and it and it has impact Mm -mm. when you start making little cracking jokes about the lt Th- those jokes have a lot more impact when they're coming from you as a squad leader What's the lt the lieutenant oh gotcha when you're cracking jokes about the vp of sales <laughs>
1: yeah
0: your little sales team is that those those have more impact than you think i this is yeah. something i always had to like be careful to when mm-hmm. i went from being maybe it's even to this day when i went from from being an e5 in a platoon e5 mafia where everybody's a target Everybody in the entire chain of command is a target for ridicule. And then all of a sudden when I became, you know, like an officer, assistant platoon commander, platoon commander, I had to freaking dial that back. You know, you just can't be going dropping napalm on (laughs) the chain of command over every little thing. And it's tempting because it's funny and that's what you're used to. I had to dial that back. Leif always cracks up when I go, like, go E5 on somebody, you know. Yeah. I start dropping the hammer on
1: someone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is a side note. Okay, so you always talk about that, like, the E5. Yeah. It's like a thing.
0: Yeah. E5 Mafia. E5 we, and, Mafia. And I've heard of right. E4 uh-huh. or
1: I think. Um, yeah. And then E6, of course. Yeah. What's with E5? That sounds, to me, that sounds pretty high, like, there's E1, right? Is there an E1? Yeah, there's
0: E1, but you're not an E1 for very long. You're like okay. in boot camp, you're an E1. You're probably going to make E2 out of boot camp. Sure. E3, you should be pretty much, you know, within maybe, I don't know, a year. Yeah. Then you're E4. Mm-hmm. So now you could be E4 for like a few, a couple of years, you know, maybe two, three years. So you're, you you may you may or may not have done a deployment. And this is also back in the day. Guys mm-hmm. make rank faster now than we did Yeah. So back in the day, the... E6 was a leadership position. Okay. E5 was the boys, and the new guys were kind of E4s, gotcha. maybe even E3s occasionally.
1: So essentially- I don't
0: think there's an E3 in a SEAL platoon today at all. Okay. I don't think there is. I think there, I, I think there's barely any E4s. It's mostly E5s, and now you'll have multiple E6s in a platoon. But back in the day, an E6 was an LPO. He was the leading petty officer, Then you had a chief petty officer, then you had the assistant platoon commander and the platoon commander. So you had those were the senior people. We called them the top four. Okay. And then you had new guys. You had four or five new guys, Mm -hmm. which were probably E3s. No, they were probably E4s, maybe an E3. And then you had the group in the middle. Right. And these were the E5
1: mob. So they were, they're not, when you say they're, E six leadership position, so E five is not a lead, like they're not anyone's boss. They're they're just the, the, the right. guys. Now
0: they 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 might be one. Per, they might be a new guy's boss. Like when I was an E five mobster, I had an E four that was a new guy that was a radio man. Yeah, you see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to trying to draw a comparison. And actually, you know, so part of the understand.
0: time I was an E five mafia, I was an E four yeah. because I didn't make E five very rapidly. Yeah. So, yeah. But that E5 Mafia is like the people that are doing the work. Right, right. Like when you were a bouncer, how many bouncers were there? Uh, I
1: don't know. 15. Okay,
0: this is it. Now one of them was in charge, right? Yeah. Maybe two of them. Hey, this guy's in charge of the shift or whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So those guys are in charge of the shift. Then you had a couple like... N- new guys that yeah. kind of sucked or whatever. Yeah. But then you had a core group of guys that kind of, if you could say something, yeah, people yeah. are going to have to listen. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. your E5 Mafia.
1: Yeah, you know what it was, and now that I'm thinking of it, it's there's the door guys. They're all called door guys, but mm-hmm. the guys who work the front door, mm-hmm. which is usually the one and two, and then like a, a kind of a guy who would switch out, mm-hmm. someone who's doing well. Mm-hmm. but And then there's the rest of the guys. Who worked, you know, inside, and then yes, there were like new guys who were yeah, like yeah. still learning. Kind like hey, <laughs> Yeah. Who? Yes. And kind of the same thing where you could tell them, hey, go change the toilet yeah. paper in the bathroom. Yeah. You know, like go do the yeah. worst. New guy. Do. Yeah. Exactly right. So yeah, I get, I got you. Yeah. But so, E five is kind of high, though, is what I'm saying.
0: It's it, like. N- well, I can tell. No, it's not kind of high.
1: Yeah.
0: But in a SEAL platoon, you're a mid level. But you're kind of just a shooter too, you know. You don't. You're not one of the top four. Yeah. So it's not like kind of high. And right now, everybody, I think, I think everybody in the SEAL teams right now is an E five. If you make it through buds, I think you become an E five. Okay. It's kind of legit, you yeah. know. Back in the day, he was like, no, sorry, bro, you're an E three, <laughs> you're an E <E4."> four. <laughs> uh, back in the day, if you were on a ship and you were an E three, you had to work in the dishwashing for three months. Dang and we did one deployment, we had an E3 in our platoon, and we somehow got him out of it. Got him out of doing that. But I was an E4 for my second platoon, so even though I should have been an E5, or I I was in the E5 mafia, but I was an E4. But even then, even in that platoon, there was a bunch of E4s, and we were all in the E5
1: mafia. What does E stand for? Enlisted. Enlisted. And then if you're an officer, it's an O. So you got oh. O-1, that's
0: an ensign. Oh. O-2 is a lieutenant junior grade. See, that's o-
1: weird. I've never heard of O anything. Mm-hmm. All I heard was E. I think I've even heard of E-1, E-2, E-3.
0: Yeah, because people talk smack about the O. like, <laughs> oh, that guy's an E-1.
1: <laughs> Interesting. Uh,
0: and then you become, an, in the Navy, O-3 is lieutenant, and then O-4 is lieutenant commander. But in the army, that same rank is called a major. Mm. So when, when in Ramadi, the army guys, they would, a lot of army guys would call me major, right? Mm-hmm. So then some of the some of my guys would call me the mage.
1: <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. And then captain isn't very high, or it is high.
0: Captain in the army and the Marine Corps is an 04. Captain, or sorry, is an O three in the Army and the Marine Corps, which is a company commander in charge of 150 guys. A mm. uh, uh, captain in the Navy is much higher. It's an O six, and they could be in charge of multiple ships. Mm. So, a captain in the Navy is much higher rank than a captain in the Army or the Marine Corps.
1: Okay.
0: A captain in the Navy is a colonel. A full bird, you ever heard that ter- expression? Mm-hmm. Probably in the movies, you hear that full no, bird colonel. From, from so energy. a full bird colonel, yeah. which means they have an eagle on their collar, yeah. is a full captain. Huh. I, you don't really say full bird captain because you don't need to. Yeah. Because the reason you say that is in the Army and the Marine Corps, you could be a lieutenant colonel, which still has a silver oak leaf, which makes you a lieutenant colonel. So if someone's got the full bird, that's why you – because you can still call someone that's a lieutenant colonel. You might just call them colonel. Mm. Cause you're not, it's a b- big mouthful to say Colonel mm. or sorry, it's a big mouthful to say Lieutenant Colonel. Hey, Lieutenant Colonel, what are we doing? But if you say, Hey Colonel, that's totally acceptable. Mm. So we want to let your boys know like, Hey, this guy's a full bird Colonel. Mm. Big deal. Got that full bird Colonel coming in. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I understand why I'm, I understand now why I was so n- unclear about everything. 'Cause it's like There's a lot same of stuff words going on. Different, you <laughs> yeah. know, army's different than navy and it but same words, you know. Yeah.
0: Well sometimes Leif and Seth would get called captain by army guys. By because that's you see those two bars it's like, oh, that's a captain. If you're in the army, that's a captain.
1: Yeah.
0: So you're not thinking lieutenant, because the lieutenant is a lower rank.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: Check. All right. This army. section breaks out two things. There are two fundamental types of of factors that affect success in combat. One, factors over which you have little or no influence that you must try to understand, endure, and explain to your Marines. And number two, factors that you can influence directly through your leadership. And it goes into a bunch of things uh, that you can't, that you have little to no influence. Political guidelines and rules of engagement, available, available, Ability and quality of replacements, location, weather, terrain, public reaction and support, type of conflict, enemy action, duration. You don't have control, very little control over those things. And it goes into talking about the political guidelines, the what you're responsible, making sure your Marines abide by them, Here's an important part. They say pass through the chain of command information that might be useful in correcting deficiencies with rules of engagement procedures. So if you've got some rule of engagement that doesn't make sense, you are responsible for sending that up chain of command. And by the way, if you work in a factory and there's some part of the manufacturing line that doesn't make sense, you are responsible for running that up the chain so it can get corrected. Little control over. Who's gonna replace you? Obviously, no control, very little control over location, terrain, weather. So it, it lists, goes into a little bit of detail on those things and then it goes into factors that you can influence. Morale, motivation, discipline, esprit de corps, proficiency. Morale is the mental and emotional condition, enthusiasm, confidence or loyalty of an individual or group with regard to the functions or tasks at hand. The squad leader who taps into this valuable resource and keeps it to the forefront throughout the adverse conditions of combat will always prevail. That's a strong word, always. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Motivation is a byproduct of morale. If your Marines are enthusiastic about being part of the squad and have confidence in their squad leader, then they will have the incentive to drive on through adversity discipline hmm. discipline is defined in the dictionary as quote to bring under control in combat we speak of discipline in troops we speak of the Marines ability to disregard the natural tendencies of self-preservation and at times put them in harm's way if necessary and I would expand on this right now, but they expand on this in a beautiful way. They'll talk about discipline in a beautiful way coming up. Esprit de corps is the unit spirit. It describes how devoted and loyal they are to the team. Proficiency. Proficiency is being knowledgeable and skillful in your craft. Imagine a unit being so confident in their ability to perform that it affects all of the aforementioned factors. Now you have a unit ready to fight. Morale and motivation is the cornerstone of discipline. Esprit de corps. And proficiency, if you instill high morale and motivation in your Marines, this can lead to success in combat. Morale makes up three quarters of the game. The relative balance of manpower makes up only the remaining quarter. That's Napoleon Bonaparte. Morale makes up three quarters of the game in combat. Mm. You know, that's one of those ones you go, well, yeah, because, you know, if you're thinking, You know, your football team against another football team and they have great morale, but you guys are better players. Yeah. Right. Well, it's probably not going to work out too well. But because this is what I was thinking about last night, I said, well, you know, where's that going to really carry you Mm -hmm. in a football game? Mm -hmm. But then I thought, what if you, what if your football game was played for months? (laughs) (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it wasn't about how big and strong you were, but it was about, hey, we're going to be, we're going to maneuver faster than you. We're going to, Walk further than you. We're going to keep working while you're resting. Like, the, we're going to keep our weapons clean. Like, all those things. Like, that's how you win.
1: Yeah.
0: And all those things have to do with morale. So, it might not make a sense in a short engagement in a physical game. It can have an impact for sure.
1: I would almost say you were right to begin with in a football game, as mm-hmm. far as the example. I mean, you're right either way. But if your morale, is low the other team is high but you have a better football team your morale is going to be low for a reason Like, essentially, like, oh, you know, it's like there's going to be in low morale. It's going to be a lack of confidence, I'm sure. There's going to be a lack of motivation. And according to the book,
0: lack of proficiency, which negatively affects your morale. So when you know you're not that good, your morale's
1: down. Exactly right. So, like I said, it's for a reason. So their morale is good. What if, like, everyone, your morale, if you're a better, quote-unquote, better football team, Mm -hmm. is going to be for a reason. Mm -hmm. And then whatever that reason is, I don't know, it's your hypothetical. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But think of a realistic one. Maybe... People are arguing about this and that, so they're not working together as a team. Oh, the morale we're,
0: on the team itself—like, what can hurt the morale?
1: Exactly right. Like, on the better quote unquote, te- quote unquote this, team.
0: Yeah, like you lose, like you blew a game, like you blew the last game, like you shouldn't have missed the field goal and you did, and you were a better team than them, but yeah. then they won. Morale can be down.
1: Yeah, and you're arguing with your team. Quarterback's yeah. is blaming everyone. They, mm-hmm. you know, maybe their best guy is injured, and that you know now everyone's not as confident, mm-hmm. and like maybe they're starting, you know. All this other stuff, and they're tired because they've been drinking, you know, all this stuff. So technically, there's a, I'm just saying that's that's a big factor a lot of time. So, so technically, they they are maybe a better team. But the morale is so low for these specific reasons. The other guys, they've been working hard. Yeah. They even got a strategy in yeah. place, a secret strategy. I told you about this one time. This team was, we were technically better than them, but they were like saying, oh, we're going to kick their ass, we're going to kick their ass. And they're telling the whole island, essentially, we're going to mm. kick their ass what, so bad. Was this, was this high,
0: school. high school?
1: Yeah. And I was like what the this is uncanny the the way they're saying this so much you know and then but they had a little plan and they did they beat us too with a plan What was the plan? It was uh to do qu- these weird quarterback keep plays mm-hmm. with no huddle Mm. So it's just essentially that uh, that surprise kind of mm-hmm. thing, and then just keep going, going, going. So they'd go quarterback keep, and we'd kind of stop it. Then they go no, how to quarterback keep, and we'd be like, oh, oh, we're scrambling, and we kind of stop it. But they gain a little bit more, and they just kept doing it, kept doing it for the whole.
0: But didn't you figure out a solution for it after they did it four or seven or nine times?
1: I think. Or was it too? I late? think our morale went down oh. in that first flurry. To be honest with you,
0: um, I forget how it. So their morale was high very high. And they actually beat you. Yeah, for that reason. I'm though, always surprised in football that there's not more sneakiness. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of sneakiness Since I feel like we might have talked about there this we, too. Yeah. With football there's so much history behind the way plays work mm-hmm. that sneakiness usually comes with an element of risk that's equal. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, if you do it's a trick play, like there's a there's teams that sort of lend towards more sneakiness, but they mm-hmm. lend more towards risk as well. Mm-hmm. So, like one of the mainstream sneaky plays is called a reverse, where. It's like you give the ball, there's many ways to do it, but a standard one would be you give the ball to the running back in an outside run. Mm -hmm. And instead of keeping running, the the wide receiver who's way over there, he comes around this way. So he's acting like he's running, and he gives it to the wide receiver going the other way. So the defense has all this momentum going this way with the ball, and the reverse just comes around. with. But he's a single guy Mm -hmm. because he has no blockers. If he had blockers, everyone would see the blockers going over there, yeah. and they'd be like, oh, wait, this isn't, you know, this, so they'd be bringing The risk being that time.
0: if somebody picks it up and reads the play, then he's getting annihilated. Probably
1: behind the line because yeah, he has yeah. no blockers. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Or the, what's the one that... Um, like a hook and lateral, which mm-hmm. is a big risk on that one. And then uh, a, a pass back to the quarterback—that's mm-hmm. another one mm-hmm. where, like, you give it to the running back and he runs, and he doesn't go past the line.
0: The quarterback does.
1: The, the quarterback runs around the other side on a on a pass pattern, essentially a, a receiver. So he goes down, and the, then now the running back has to throw yeah. the ball to the quarterback, which is huge risk, by huge the way, risk. bro. They're gonna pick that thing, and off. the
0: quarterback's gotta catch it.
1: <laughs> Got to catch it. He has to be open, yeah. by the way, because if he's not open, who's going to throw it to? Another wide receiver. Shack. Usually it's like, you know, it's like you put your eggs all in one basket a lot of the time. And then nowadays people are kind of hip to trick plays, so they kind of wait for it to develop, mm-hmm. and now the risk goes up, you know. So that's probably why. I'm sure back in the—in fact, back in the day, like 1940s football, mm. So all kinds of weird all plays. All kinds of trick plays. Yeah.
0: So morale, mm. you guys lost— the other pl- platoon team was hyped on their morale. Your morale was immediately crushed, and then you were all embarrassed. Then you just lost. <laughs> so even even in football, it can be morale can be um, three quarters of the game.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: It says morale is the confident, re- resolute, willing, and often sa- self-sacrificing and courageous attitude of a Marine to accomplish the tasks expected by the squad. Morale is based upon pride in the achievement and aims of the squad, faith in you as a squad leader, a sense of participation in the squad's work, devotion and loyalty to the other members of the squad, confidence in the ultimate success of the squad. Whichever army goes into battle stronger in soul, their enemies generally cannot withstand them. That's the Greek warrior Xenophon more than 2,000 years ago. Morale tends to fluctuate even among the best Marines. It must be your constant concern because it's the foundation of discipline. You must recognize the extreme importance morale has to the combat effectiveness of your squad. Marine tends, or, or morale tends to fluctuate even amongst the best Marines. That's something that's important to note. I'll, I'll tell you, it, effect, it, it, it fluctuates less. It can't fluctuate. But man, you get some some motivated troopers <laughs> It's hard to even it's hard to even bring them down a little bit. They're yeah. just in the game And they help everybody It's so helpful to have somebody kind of
1: motivated in the game
0: like somebody with high morale Yeah, like we
1: got this. And And it, it kind of takes someone who can deal with adversity, right? Yeah So and I was thinking
0: which by the way is a decision
1: yeah, you but know, but and it's a learned decision it,
0: too. yeah, you can be like, look, I know what's happening right now. I can see what's happening. I can see the negativity start to drag down.
1: Yeah.
0: And you can say,
1: hey, well, I'm not letting this happen yeah. on me. Yeah. And you get crazy. So, but that guy who's getting crazy and uh-huh. your, um, he has to be kind of used to adversity in one way or another, or at the very least know how to deal with it. That's right. Yes. So, the, so it kind of brought me back a little bit to the to a conversation we had recently about guys quitting. Who you, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. um, where you would think no way this guy's going to quit because mm-hmm. he's he's a stud, but this guy is probably not. You, you get in, you know, in MMA and well, sports yeah, so and whatever.
0: In. Dick Marcinko's book, Who Recently Died, The Rogue Warrior, he wrote a book, came out in 1992 when I was a new guy in the
1: terms. Oh, yeah.
0: But he called these people gazelles. Right,
1: yes, yeah.
0: And he said gazelles, they, they're used to winning. They're run, they run and they win and they run and they win and they're just good athletes and they're just winning, winning, winning. Right. And they show up at Bud's and you, I can promise you, there's gonna be some shit you lose. Yeah. And if, and if that's you, you hit that adversity wall and you've been a stud your whole life and all of a sudden, it, I'm sure there's multiple psychological things that can unfold. One of them might be oh, you, um, you're used to winning and now you lose and you get down yourself. But also, hey, this, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. It's harder than I thought it was gonna be. Or I failed this thing and now what's gonna happen? If I failed this thing and I'm only two days into this gig, I got six more months of this, yeah. and I—I already failed. No, I'm not. I'm not cut out for this.
1: Yeah, I'm not totally not used yeah. to it. It's totally like an imposition on their whole sensibility, and that's just how. Just not used to it. But so you could, in a way, kind of track it back to morale, mm-hmm. really. That, where, mor-
0: that that individual's morale gets crushed.
1: Exactly right. Like, so you get a guy who's used to adversity. He's like, "Hey, this won't crush my morale. I've been here before. Mm-hmm. I know I can fight back out yep. of this. Yep. I know this is going to end. I know that you know guys who know about mm-hmm. adversity, but the guy who doesn't, the guy who mm-hmm. wins every single time, never failed ever in his thi- you know, just, and just things come natural to him. Yeah. Oh, bro, you let that guy get crushed one time. Well, morale yeah. is down. Yeah, He's down. Damn." That might the be the, the situation on that one. Could be. So morale is kind of – because in the beginning, you'd think morale, that's just you having a bad attitude about stuff. Your morale is low. Like if oh, – yeah. say, oh, hey, bad my morale room. is bad. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have – you're kind of – on the surface, mm-hmm. it kind of comes off as that. Like, bro, just, I don't know, fire yourself up. Like, mm-hmm. essentially, like, make a decision to have a better attitude. When you think
0: about this, the – the buds. When I was going through buds, they would say false motivation is better than no motivation.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I kind
0: of agreed with it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, you know. Like you hear yeah. someone start getting fired up, whether they're faking it or not, it's like, yeah. hey, that guy seems to be stoked. Let's go rock and roll. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly right. And that's a, and you know how um like you guys will say like, hey, if you have like the 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 no bad teams, only bad mm-hmm. leaders, right? The boat cruise, right? Where you get a guy who's who's kind of like, hey, it's all good, guys, we're gonna do this, and and he's kind of motivating everybody Mm -hmm. even if they were kind of like beat down their morale kind of gets gets more high
0: on the academy online the other day i was talking about how you frame things up and this is a skill Mm. that you can attain over time but if you gave if you were my boss and you gave me the worst assignment ever yeah By the time I'm telling the team, I frame that thing up in a totally different way. <laughs> it is yes, not sir. the worst job. It's yeah. a challenge. It's an yeah. opportunity to look awesome. We're gonna do better than everybody. It's like the, I'm gonna frame things up all day long yeah. in an uplifting morale moment. Yeah, I'm definitely not framing something up as bad. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like we're gonna frame this up, and the thing is, it's not a lie. It's the truth. Yeah. I can't. You can't lie to your team. You can't lie to them and be like, well hey everyone this is going to be great right. we just hey everyone we, we got to work this weekend aren't you excited you know if you've just been out in the field for two weeks and then you get back and the boss says hey you guys got to do a dog and pony this weekend what do you mean Or oh, we got a congressman coming in and we got to show them our new capabilities and your platoon's doing it
1: mm.
0: <laughs> right you oh, can't yeah. be like hey everyone this is Jump right. for Joy no but you can but you can frame it in a true way that's listen up hey, the boss just talked to me. They want the best platoon out here to represent and do this dog and pony. We're gonna do, we're gonna knock this guy's socks off. He's gonna think that every SEAL is a damn Terminator robot when he gets (laughs) down walking through this stuff. We're gonna get more money for the entire community by kicking ass. You know what I'm saying? It's a different game. I'm fired up right now. I'm ready to do a dog and pony show for a congressman. (laughs) So you gotta frame stuff correctly.
1: Like your kids if they don't like math. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't be like, no, math is fun, mm-hmm. but you just like that's, that's in their yeah, frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're that's like, okay, I, I can't really no. relate to you at all. I can't. Not to mention you. my
0: trust level is going down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like even a five year old knows that this is not fun. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. There's a rare person that thinks it's fun, but it's like one in a billion. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking Lex Friedman just got fired up looking <laughs> at like a problem. when He's six years old. He's like, oh hell yeah. 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 Right. Yep. Me not happening no, Lex no. good to go.
1: You needed a better frame up on that. Yeah one.
0: Like Lex framed it up in his mind. That's his good. Frame yeah. Up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but yeah No, but when you say hey when you get good at this right here's gonna make you smarter
1: Yeah,
0: this yeah. is you're gonna be able to dominate. Yeah. You're not gonna have to worry about school when you're dominant in math You gotta learn this problem and people are like oh I can dominate
1: here yeah. Yeah.
0: Alright <clears throat> characteristics of morale Major General William slim quoted by John Masters in the road pass the road pass Mandalay*, Provides an example of how morale can be affected in combat Again some of these these things are really good Quote We have already trained our men to the highest possible level of skill with their weapons and in the use of minor tactics but in the end Every important battle develops to a point where there is no real control by senior commanders. Every soldier feels himself to be alone. Discipline may have got him to the place where he is. And discipline may hold him there for a time. Cooperation with other men in the same situation can help move him forward. Self-preservation will make him defend himself to the death if there is no other way. But what makes him go on alone, determined to break the will of the enemy opposite him, is morale. Pride in himself as an independent thinking man who knows why he's there and what he's doing. Absolute confidence that the best has been done for him and that his fate is now in his own hands the dominant feeling on the battlefield is loneliness gentlemen and morale only morale individual morale as a foundation under training and discipline will bring victory and that's see that's what's important what what oh, i read this a f- couple times what's important here is to remember that as the leader you're the one that's developing their morale you're bringing together that unit you're training them to the utmost you're you're, impo- you're imparting this the benefits of self-discipline you're rewarding those things and you build this creature this this beast that has this morale that's so strong that they're not going down here's some specific indicators of morale Response to shortages, care of equipment and weapons, rumors, excessive quarreling. You brought that one up earlier with the football team. Mm-hmm. Personal hygiene, standards of military courtesy, personal appearance, personal conduct. So, like the the response to shortages, how do they respond? With hey, we're almost out of water. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, we're all gonna die. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the movie Aliens? Yes, sir. We're all gonna die out here, man, right because there's a shortage of whatever
1: mm-hmm.
0: we don't know if are any backups coming we're all gonna die mm-hmm. that's bad morale
1: so bad morale is essentially the beginning of the end yeah so it's kind of like the end of the rope kind of a thing of mm-hmm. course you can turn it around but bro it's the beginning of the end oh well, no it's kind of a critical factor
0: when there's when there it says this here when they're running when you're running low on whatever on on equipment or food or water, it says, the squad with high morale and strong unit cohesion will divide what is available and become an even stronger outfit because of it. The unit that does not have this quality is not acting cohesively as a team and will disintegrate quickly. Failure to properly maintain equipment and weapons indicate that a Marine does not care, is becoming excessively fatigued or has lost all discipline. On the other hand, if you fail to provide the means to keep your Marines gear properly maintained, you can erode their morale. You got rumors, clearly, there's a lack of information. You 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 need to tell your team what's going on, otherwise they're gonna make it up and it's not gonna be good. Cooperation, mutual trust and confidence in one another's ability can be adversely affected when your Marines quarrel amongst themselves. Excessive quarreling is a sign that something is wrong and must be fixed. I was gonna say, this is like a chicken or an egg thing. Mm like when things start going bad, people start to argue. And when people start to argue, things start going bad. I guess it's not, it's a downward spiral. I don't know which one starts first chicken or the egg, but when you start hearing people arguing amongst themselves, you're gonna have problems and it's not gonna get better.
1: Uh,
0: Keeping it, you know, keeping it clean as far as hygiene goes says, regardless of how miserable the circumstances may actually be, we must do what we can to make conditions habitable. It talks about this. Standards of military courtesy units that have pride and confidence in their leaders maintain high standards of military courtesy at all times. Changes show that poor discipline and lack of respect may indicate low morale. Keeping it professional. It's interesting that they talk about standards of military courtesy, but if you want to translate that to the civilian world, you want to translate it to your family, it's how you treat each other. Mm-hmm. Cuz sure in the Marine Corps a salute means, you know, I respect you or calling you sir or whatever, staying attention, all those things. But when you're a civilian, if you want to keep your team's morale high, Even when things are going sideways, Mm -hmm. you don't yell at your team. You treat them with respect. You ask them what their ideas are. You know, like that's what you do. So Mm -hmm. treating people with respect is a way to maintain high morale. Mm -hmm. It says this about personal conduct, moodiness, sullenness, quiet withdrawal, or any sudden unexplainable change in one of your Marines' behavior may, may indicate that something is wrong and there's cause for concern. That's the way you're acting.
1: Mm.
0: Now, listen, does that mean you want to be Pollyanna and have a big smile on your face? Hey, guys, we're about to be overrun. Yay. Like, mm. no, that's not what we're talking about. Mm. Hey, I'm going to have to fire a bunch of people from our company. Mm-hmm. No. But going into that, listen, to the, it's, it's, it's interesting that they say this sullenness and quiet withdrawal and moodiness. Mm. So none of those say be happy. Mm. They don't say that. None of them say jump for joy, but if you're acting sullen, right. if you're if you if you withdraw, if you have an unexplained change in your behavior, man, being consistent is so important from a leadership perspective. Yeah. That's why you know I was getting interviewed a little while ago, and they were atas- asking me about resiliency, yeah. and I kind of said that um, this was this was Travis Mannion's sister, Ryan. Yeah. And she was she was she's got a podcast about resiliency, and I was on it. And she was asking me about resiliency, and I was like, "Hey, I don't think too much about it. And I think it's kind of a little bit natural for me to be resilient. And I shouldn't have said natural, or maybe I didn't say it, but I, but that's the feeling I get. But what I ultimately said was, "Listen, I feel like I'm fairly resilient because I don't have low lows. And the reason I don't have low lows because I don't have high highs." Mm-hmm. I'm not getting all excited, but yay. No, I'm not mm. doing that. Mm. But I'm also like, oh, no. I'm not doing either one of those two things. Mm. I'm staying in a, in a limited emotional box where I'm not g- getting too crazy with a victory and I'm not getting too crazy with a defeat.
1: Mm.
0: So I think that's a, this, that lines up very well with this. If you're, at, if, you, if you're the person that shows how happy you are,
1: mm.
0: everybody's used to that. And now when you start being sad, they're going to go, oh, geez, Echo's all bummed out. Something's wrong.
1: Yeah. Or even not as happy. Mm-hmm. Like if you know, these guys are super fired up and then you know, something cool happens and then they're like, yeah, right on. And they're not as fired up. You're like, oh, something's wrong. Even though they essentially express happiness, just not enough happiness. Mm-hmm. You ever, um kind of back to the, the um, professionalism and mm-hmm. you know, they're talking about in the military, like, okay, so uh, what what does your wife call you normally, darling? Darling, not by your name, huh?
0: Not generally. Yeah, no, ba- barely ever. Actually.
1: Yeah, mine either. And I don't even uh, really call her by her name that much. It's mm, some other stuff. We yeah. don't have to go into it. But I don't want to hear the <laughs> Sometimes if, also, if I call her by a name, she'll be like, "Don't call me by my name." Like, kind of half uh, joking, you know? Because it kind of sounds. But neat. also,
0: what if what if she what if you were downstairs and she was like echo.
1: Right, you exactly know right. Wrong. Or if if we're going through some things, or in yeah, some sort yeah. of a, almost like an argument or whatever, like yeah, she won't. She'll. Thankfully, it's been multiple, multiple, multiple years. It's since anything like that. But even then, let's say you're on bad terms with your wife, and usually she calls you. I don't know, darling, babe, mm-hmm. whatever they call. We call each other. And then they call you your name. You kind of. It's like a little assault mm-hmm. on your Like kind of like oh, so there's something wrong. So when morale is down, yeah, boom, you kind that part breaks down yeah, a little it's, bit. It's a
0: little bit disrespectful. Yeah, to call you, baby. I'm yeah. Down. So that's that's it. Yeah. That's why consistency. Yeah. And keeping yourself in check and making sure that you're not allowing these emotions to creep out. Yeah. And cause people to look at you and think, "Oh, Echo's really concerned right now. This things are going bad." Yeah. That goes all solen right now. Things you know, that's what's going to spread. Yeah, that's going to affect the morale of everybody.
1: What's with that? With calling someone who you know good by their legitimate name? What that is? You know how like okay, so in the family, you know the old thing where <laughs> if they call you like the parent calls the kid by their first and last name.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You know yeah, that yeah, that yeah, means right.
1: they're in trouble. Like that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Why is that?
0: Uh, I think it's because of what we're saying right now. Yeah. I think it's like a step up in 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 lack of affection.
1: Yeah, it's like almost the opposite, you know, in a small, tiny way where it's like the better terms we're on, the more loose I'm going to be with what I call you. I'll call mm-hmm. you more of like fun stuff, mm-hmm. you know. I'll call you by a nickname yeah. or a fun name or a pet name, whatever you call it. And then when things are bad, okay, now you're kind of reduced to your legitimate name, your official name. Okay,
0: let me ask you this. Tangential, but... If you ever hear people when they use your name a lot when they're talking to you,
1: yeah,
0: it's weird, right? It is weird. Yes, sir. It's like we're trying to establish a weird salesy type, like thing where I know you,
1: yeah, uh-huh. like you know, you know, what,
0: Echo, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think I've other than saying good evening, Echo, I don't think I've ever said your name on this podcast because it's, not, it's, it's not a little bit weird, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, and even when you do, you say my first and my last name, with in, which indicates like a small, like it's like humor, like a joke oh, like almost. Echo, Charles yeah. Is Echo here. Charles yeah, exactly right. But even you'll be like you, Echo Charles. Like, mm. it's a joke. Oh, you know you where know? I
0: do say some names on this specific podcast is if someone else is here and we're having a three-way conversation, yeah. I might say like, well, if I was to say to you, hey, Mike, or I might say, right. well, that's right you know, Fred, yeah. cause I want to everyone that's listening to know that I was saying that to Fred.
1: Yeah. But that's different than what you're talking it about. It is different.
0: It is. It, I've always, it seems a little bit strange. It seems like something you would learn at like a, at like a, a, a mastermind sales course <laughs> to like touch them on the shoulder and yeah. tell say their name a bunch. So right. they feel closer to you. It yeah. doesn't do that for me. If you're trying to sell me something, don't say my name. 'Cause it's probably gonna like send me the other direction.
1: Yeah, it's not natural. Like it doesn't feel natural at no. all. But some people that's just how that's just how they talk.
0: Yeah, but I think that's because they've been ingrained to do that. I don't think it's normal.
1: Yeah. Almost like it's like overly professional almost. Yeah. That's the thing, Echo, is when you're doing something <laughs> See, right. <laughs> right? It's that makes so me weird. Feel kinda uncomfortable. It's so Dude, weird, you know, right? Like, yeah. It's weird, Echo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so I'm glad I confirmed that. It is. It's confirmed. weird. If you yes, listen sir. to podcasts, you can hear people do that sometimes. If you Listen to podcasts, you'll hear someone saying, you know, and it's yeah. sort of like that's uh, kind of strange. Yeah,
1: especially when it's when they're the only. Yeah, team. yeah, yeah. They're. We're the only ones yeah. here. Echo. <laughs> <laughs> <It's laughs> or oh, if you're, scolding I just wore them. out
0: that joke if, in five if attempts.
1: If you're scolding someone, mm-hmm. then it then it rolls out. That's like, true. I'm like. I bet you
0: some of those scolding videos that we have of you and me, I probably use your name more often than not. No, I
1: think I'll use your name. Oh, really? Because you're not scolding, you're just trying to make fun. Okay. I think. I don't know if I remember correctly.
0: Appearances. If a Marine begins to look sloppy, a behavioral problem may be the cause. Likewise, if conditions prevent your Marines from washing, shaving, or obtaining clean uniforms for prolonged periods, morale can drop. This is... One of those things where, again, in the business world, some, hey, here's our dress code.
1: Mm.
0: Hey, we got a pres- presentation you're going to get look sharp. Smart move. Smart move. Hey, and I can tell you I'm not one of these people that is uh, going out and getting whatever, whatever a
1: tailor Sick.
0: to make my suit or whatever. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I don't really like wearing suits at all. Sometimes fighters wear suits Have you noticed that
1: Oh yeah That's old school Why is that The boxers No no no, like, no, no. I'm not
0: talking I'm not talking UFC
1: Yeah I know But the, it kind of Or it felt It feels like It came from the old school The boxers Yeah right?
0: I feel like I might be disconnected Like and wrong Or whatever Yeah <laughs> you know like i i look at a bo- i look at a fighter and they're putting a suit and tie on to go to a press conference yeah i feel like in a million years i i wouldn't have done that yeah.
1: but i do think there's kind of two camps on that mm-hmm. and then there's a rare few that are kind of in between where so, some guys they that's their jam they mm-hmm. wear suits cuz they're cuz they're a quote-unquote sophisticated mm-hmm. professional mm-hmm. and that, or that's the image and then there's guys like nick diaz who's you know just as good yeah. if not better than everyone who will probably <laughs> never wear a suit so yeah. it's I think there's two camps for yeah sure. there's definitely
0: two camps I fall into Nate Diaz camp on that one yes. I'm just going in a t-shirt to the press conference yeah, probably showing sense. up late
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you could show up Yeah, but you're like that in real life too though where yeah. you know you you're probably going to wear slippers or flip flops yeah, as we call them here true. and shorts mm-hmm. and a shirt unless you have to wear something else
0: yeah that's true so, that so watch sense. out for that with your people
1: That's a a kind of a classic thing too though, right? Like even in the movies where it's like, if they want to indicate visually that this guy has just let himself go, his morale Mm. is down, he's down and out. What, his beard, unshaven. unshaven. Yeah, his clothes may or may not be dirty, like that kind of type.
0: Uh, Characteristics of motivation. Motivation answers the question, why do Marines fight? Motivation is based on a psychological factors such as needs, desires, and impulses that cause a person to act for a Marine. Commitment and pride in the unit and the core is generally the basis for combat motivation. I was, when I was starting to read this chapter, I was like thinking about the fact that I always say motivation, no factor, mm. because motivation is a feeling, it's fickle, it comes and goes. Mm. And then I, so I was thinking, okay, well, how, what are the, how are they gonna talk about this? And there you go. And I've talked about this on the podcast. Motivation is why you're doing something. And it's important to understand the why. A motivated Marine will do what needs to be done and will know the right thing to do. With effective leadership and attentive concern for maintaining high morale, motivation will also be high. However, motivation is much more than just an indicator of morale. It is a key element that must be understood by everyone in your squad. In combat, motivation has special significance to Marines. S.E. Smith's U.S. Marine Corps in World War II provides an illustration of this motivation. Quote, in a foxhole, in the center of the tenuous line, he had done much to hold. PFC John Ahrens, an Able Company automatic rifleman, lay quietly, his eyes closed, breathing slowly. Ahrens was covered with blood. He was dying. Next to him laid a dead Japanese sergeant. And flung across his legs a dead Japanese officer. Ahrens had been hit in the chest twice by bullets. And blood welled slowly from three deep puncture wounds inflicted by bayonets. Around his foxhole sprawled 13 crumpled Japanese bodies. As Captain Lewis W. Walt gathered Ahrens into his arms to carry him to the residency. The dying man still clinging to his BAR. Said, Captain, they tried to come over me last night, but I don't think they made it. They didn't, Johnny. Walt softly replied, they didn't. End quote. And then it goes on to say, what will motivate your Marines to fight like PFC RNs? What causes them to have this measure of tenacity and the ability to continue to fight when others would give up? Numerous historians, sociologists and psychologists have studied behavior under fire in an effort to under to find out why we fight as we do and explaining what motivates a marine to persevere in battle. Many experts have concluded that the following facts are significant unit cohesion tradition commitment aggression patriotism rewards and punishment social identity. In the unit cohesion section. It says, cohesion is perhaps the most powerful motivational factor in combat. Common experiences and shared hardships stimulate and foster closeness among individuals as a unit. The result in a unit that is able to maintain tactical cohesion and achieve success in combat. If your Marines know their mission, it is their faith in you and their fellow Marines that will carry them over the top, charging into the teeth of the enemy. This is, uh, I'll get asked a lot about, you know, how do you bring a team together? It's like, you got to do hard things together. Mm. So it's one thing that's cool about the FTX program that we run. It's, mm. it's challenging. Mm-hmm. It is mentally challenging. There's actually almost no physical challenge, so that's not what I'm talking about. Mm. It is mentally challenging. Mm. And you will you will get put in situations where you have to make very tough decisions under pressure And when you get to do it yourself and then you watch someone else do it and they do a call or a bad call or a good call It does definitely help out unit cohesion.
1: I always thought or kind of came to the conclusion or whatever that uh We get close somebody is to do hard things like basically You have to go through the whole spectrum of things: hard, easy, Mm -hmm. good, and bad. And you go through all that together and still emerge without breaking Mm -hmm. up or or not being friends or whatever. So a lot of times, if you you're forced in a situation with this, uh, what do you call when the interest is the same for everybody? Aligned, like aligned interest or Mm -hmm. or common interest, Mm -hmm. common goal. They're kind of forced to be in the environment, so they go through the hard times. The fun times they go through the whole spectrum of things mm-hmm. and a lot of times in the military and battle they go through the really really hard times mm-hmm. and then which kind of you know on the flip side can precipitate really really good times as well. Sure. You know when you when you're triumphant with the guy with um, next to you in hard times that's a really really good time. So if you have that consistently yeah. boom that bond and same thing with like
0: it's funny when you when you started talking about good times I was kind of like, echoes being stupid but then I thought about it. It's like, oh no, that's important. Like yeah. just hard times. Cool. You're going to forge one part of unity, yeah. but also like having fun and having good times is also a way that forms a certain yeah. part of the unity. Yeah. I think that a, a group that only has good times, you don't get tested. Yes. You got to go through some hard shit too. Yeah. hundred percent.
1: And that's what it always felt like where you got to go through the whole spectrum of ups and downs mm. kind of together over, over a period of time. Even if you don't go through it, over a period of time, if you get the whole spectrum, you'll have a closeness that's kind of hard to replicate, you mm-hmm. know. But if you do it consistently, like, for a long time, mm-hmm. yeah, you'd be. That's why brother and sister a lot of time or, like, two brothers mm-hmm. who grew up together, like, really close or whatever. Um, That's why it's like, oh, there's a diff- that's a different kind of relationship because it kind of. Like, me and my brother were are tw- twins, so mm-hmm. we literally went through everything together. <laughs> literally. Yeah. So, like, the first time of the, whatever experience, mm-hmm. the first time was the first time for both of us, yeah. you know, so it, like the opposite time, we wound up being really, really close. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of like that's where I'd always feel like you know you I can go through an experience by myself, and then a thought that's going to be really close in my mind. Like it'll it won't be a lot of time will go by before I think, oh, I wonder what. He would think about this yep. or I know what he would think about this, you know, yep. or, you know, would like this boom, you know, mm-hmm. like, and you get those kind of thoughts with the people that you're super close to it.
0: Yeah. And the, the harder the combat, the tighter the bond, because also to your point, the harder the combat, the better the times are when you're not in combat anymore.
1: Yeah. And you kind of, br- you kind of yeah. stretch out that spectrum. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like more, it's deeper or yeah. whatever.
0: Check. Uh, this is an important thing that we've covered on this podcast before. This is a quick quote. Four brave men who do not know each other well will not dare attack a lion. Four less brave but knowing each other well, sure of their reliability and consequently of mutual aid, will attack resolutely. There is there is the science of organizations of, army, of armies in a nutshell. And that's from uh, Battle Studies by... Ardent DePeak, who we, we covered on this podcast, Battle Studies, but that's such a, an unimportant thing. To remember, he's like, that's, that's, that's the science of building an army, mm. working together. That's why at Echelon Front, we talk about building relationships. Because mm. if he, we have a relationship, if I have a relationship with three other people, we'll take down a lion. Mm. If I don't know these dudes, we're not, we're not, I'm not stepping forth. It's not happening. You ever watch the movie Speed? Speed, 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 oh, speed, 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 speed. Uh, I was on a bus on or something. Bus, or something. Yeah. I never watched it. Okay, it looked so really dumb. So
1: there's a part at the end where they like f- kind of, f- I don't know, fall in love for lack of a better way to put it, and they even say, "Can you edit that out for this podcast? I don't like talking about that." What <laughs> love? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they they say. uh I think they even mentioned it earlier, where you shouldn't get into a relationship based on extreme experiences. Oh, because it's like whatever the Mm -hmm. the reason or whatever. But that goes with kind of what you're saying, because when you go through these crazy Mm -hmm. experiences, it brings you closer together.
0: That's like the like like Chaz in The Wedding Singer when he starts going to funerals to pick up girls. Wedding Singer,
1: which one is it? Oh yeah, that's. Or
0: no, no, the Wedding Crashers. Wedding wedding Crashers.
1: Yeah, Yeah, he
0: says. uh, Grief is the nature's most powerful aphrodisiac. <laughs> <laughs> there
1: you go. These extreme yeah, situations. Going through these extreme you know? situations.
0: Yeah. Um, tradition. Marine values and attitudes are stressed from the day, the first day of the Marine Corps and are constantly reinforced. We are told over and over again, a Marine never quits, a Marine never surrenders, a Marine never retreats, Marines never leave their dead and wounded. These are values become ingrained into the very being of every Marine from the last parallel, Corporal Martin Russ, USMC. The average Marine, if such a condition exists, is definitely not the lad represented on the recruiting poster. More likely, he is a small, pimple-faced young man who, because it has been so skillfully pounded into him in boot camp, believes he can lick the world. (laughs) Commitment. There's a quote in here about commitment. Men take... A kind of hard pride in belonging to a famous outfit, even when doing so exposes them to exceptional danger. This is an essential element in the psychology of shock troops. Talks about aggression. Compassion for the enemy and non-combatants is a characteristic that is not uncommon among Marines in the battlefield. However... You must recognize that an aggressive fighting style is our trademark. Seek to maintain this determination and initiative as long as necessary to accomplish the mission and overcome the enemy. Understand that you will bolster the confidence of your Marines by accomplishing the mission at the lowest possible cost in casualties. Patriotism. Every Marine must be convinced of the rightness of their country's cause. Rewards and punishment, the purpose of our system of rewards in combat is intended to reflect the recognition of Marines as warriors. This recognition of heroic efforts and sacrifices on behalf of your fellow Marines is an important leadership responsibility. When it comes to combat, there is no amount of pay or any medal that can adequately award any Marine for risking their life to achieve a particular objective. When Marines who have experienced combat are questioned, they tend to respond that their greatest fear was being perceived as less than adequate in the eyes of their fellow Marines. Their only reward was the respect, praise, and recognition which came from within their unit. That is uh, no doubt, I've talked many times about what reputation means in the SEAL teams. And that's where you get that reputation. How do you behave? In tough situations, in combat situations, even in tough training situations. Social factors affecting Marines' primary group, which is their fireteam squad or platoon, are significant aspects of achieving combat motivation. Marines will often identify with friends who are from their same home state or same geographical area. This helps build unit cohesion. So getting the guys to work together. This section, discipline, esprit, decor, and proficiency are significant factors that you as a leader can develop in your Marines. These along with morale and motivation will influence your success in combat. Man, when you're skilled at something, and you practice and you train, it just helps in every aspect. Proficiency is so important. And obviously, discipline. And I said earlier that we're going to get into a little bit of this. Discipline is the willful obedience of orders. Discipline is exemplified by a situation where the individual has been taught to sacrifice their interest for the common good and respond from a sense of duty which is more important than individual rights or wants. Now, what you and I talk about a lot in here, the common good, this is you know discipline like self-discipline is when you're going to do something that's good. Not for you right now, not the donut, not the sleeping in, but what's good for the common good. Mm. That takes discipline. When the moment comes for a leader to send a Marine into harm's way, there's not room for discussion. Discipline ensures prompt accomplishment of assigned missions and spawns initiative, which guides your Marines actions in the absence of order. Morale and motivation provide the foundation for discipline. More than being a simple mechanism for ma- maintaining order, discipline is the essential condition within a unit that allows it to overcome the extreme fear and fatigue of combat. And this is why, this is the part that I wanted to get into uh, the three types of discipline. First off, is self discipline. Self discipline is the most important quality to develop in your Marine. Self-discipline means that the individual has a sense of personal duty to their unit, fellow Marines, and nation. This type of discipline will hold your Marines sturdy against anything the enemy may throw at them because they have a firm inner conviction that they will not let their fellow Marines down. That's what we want. That's the most important quality to develop in marine is self-discipline. And then it goes to unit discipline. Unit discipline is the behavior that results from the expectations of marines in your squad. It arises from a form of peer pressure where a marine knows that for an individual to belong, one must uphold the standard. This quality of discipline will hold the marine steady while in the company of other fellow marines. And then it gets to this, and this is why I wanted to cover this. Imposed discipline Imposed discipline This is probably the most important part of this book Imposed discipline is behavior that is motivated primarily by your immediate supervision Do it because I said so It is a direct order to perform now. You've heard me say this many times We don't want imposed discipline Mm -hmm. and we definitely want to impose things on people But here's the Marine Corps saying you know, hey Do it because I said so, and then they continue. This discipline influences your Marines to accomplish unpleasant or inconvenient tasks. And then it says this, under extreme combat conditions, you may be required to resort to imposed discipline. It says the words, required to resort to it. Mm -mm. This is not what we wanna be doing. And by the way, it's under extreme combat conditions. So if you're working in a finance company or you're working on a construction site or you're working on a manufacturing line and you think as a leader you better use imposed discipline, you're probably wrong. And then it gives the example, this was the only way that Captain Barrow was able to force the necessary actions on the ridge in Korea that we referred to in the unit study. Imposed discipline lacks the permanence of Unit discipline and the special strength of self-discipline so imposed discipline is like a last resort in extreme situations Your Marines demonstrate discipline through initiative self-reliance self-control and obedience The Marine Corps style of warfare requires intelligent leaders with a penchant for boldness and initiative down to the lowest level. It is the Marine's duty to take initiative as the situation demands. I like the fact that they start off by talking about initiative. Because that's what discipline you have to act or not act, but it's what you personally do. It's your own personal initiative. Talks about self-reliance, talks about self-control. Obedience. Self-reliance and self-control, pretty straightforward. Obedience is when your Marine responds without question. When all of your Marines respond to your orders as a team, a sense of unit is, unit is created whereby everyone recognizes that their role is to contribute to something more important than one, any one individual. An unorganized mob of Marines is useless in a crisis. The strength to overcome the extreme crisis of combat is greatly affected by your squad's ability to respond as a team. A squad is capable of dealing with the chaos of combat only in so far as the individual Marines' actions are part of the total squad effort. We, obedience, right? This is, this is I'm surprised they didn't go a little bit more into you know, these situations where you're in extreme scenarios because otherwise obedience is what is occurring, not because you have given direction, but because everyone knows what we're trying to accomplish. That, that That's how a good unit should work. A good unit should work, we get into an enemy contact and everyone knows what to do, not because they're obeying but because they know what to do, they know why it's important. When you're at a company and you've gotta keep quality up on your manufacturing line, people are not going to do it because you told them to do it and they are obedient and that's why it's happening, no. They've gotta understand that the quality of the product is what supports the reputation of the companies which is why people are buying the product which is why we get to make the product which is why the product is selling which is why i have a job yeah. and when they understand all those things you don't need to tell them what to do they're doing it they get it so that's the kind of obedience that we want not obedience that's coming from an external but obedience because we understand what the mission is i think that's an important facet there that didn't really come out in their explanation Got a little section on esprit de corps. The unit spirit and character of the group. Not the individual. This is us working together. Some indicators. Expressions from Marines that show enthusiasm and pride for the unit. Good unit reputation among other units. Strong competitive spirit. Willingness to participate by the members in unit activities, pride in the history and traditions of the unit. Those are all good things. Here's some ways to improve this esprit de corps. Be the symbol of fighting spirit you want to develop. Start new people off right by ensuring them they're welcome into and reception by the unit. Train your Marines as a team. Develop the feeling that the company as a team must succeed. Instruct them in history and traditions. This is something I explain a lot to companies. You've got to explain what's happening, where you've been, what you've achieved. Use appropriate, proper ceremonies, slogans, and symbols. Use competition wisely to develop a team. Try to win in every competition. Use decorations and awards properly. It says this, make your Marines feel they are invincible, that no power can defeat them, and that the success of corps and country depends on them and the victory of their unit. Now we gotta be careful because we gotta watch out for arrogance, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Invincible's a strong word. Invincible is definitely a strong word. Proficiency. This uh, I mentioned this is so powerful because I think it helps your confidence so much. Proficiency is advanced in knowledge and skill. The example they give here is, once again, from the book Battle Leadership by Captain Von Schell. In peace, we should do everything possible to prepare the minds of our soldiers to, for the strain of battle. We must repeatedly warn them that war brings with it surprise and tremendously deep impressions. We must prepare them for the fact that each minute of battle brings with it a new assault on nerves. As soldiers of the future, we should strive to realize that we will be faced in war with many new and difficult impressions, dangers that are thus foreseen and already half overcome. I'm going to say that again. Dangers that are foreseen are already half overcome. If you know what's coming, man, you're already halfway there. Already halfway there. In preparing for combat, of course, they go through a section, what do you need to know? Friendly capabilities, enemy capabilities, the face of combat, and mental and physical fitness. This is straight Sun Tzu, right? Know your enemy, know yourself. Friendly capabilities. This is not limited to knowing yourself and your job. This includes knowing your Marines, equipment, and weapons. Know the techniques of combat and the tactics that are used by a unit of your size. You've got to know the same thing about the enemy, enemy's capabilities, their weapons, their troops, their equipment. The face of combat. Says the goal of this course is to help you understand the battlefield environment, although that is not possible to realistically recreate the battlefield in training. You and your squad should learn as much as possible about the actual conditions of combat during training. You know, this is something I wrote about this in, I can't remember if I wrote about it in Leadership Strategy and Tactics or in the Forward to About Face, but about how I knew when there was no war, I knew there was like a gap that I was missing. I knew there was something I didn't understand. Mm. You know, the big the big mesh. Yeah. There was some element and I just tried to read to try and understand it. So I could figure out what I was looking at, what I was what I was in for. Building and maintaining morale and motivation in combat. Belief in the mission is the source of morale and motivation. That's why in Extreme Ownership, we we wrote a chapter called Believe. You gotta believe in what you're doing. You gotta believe in what you're doing. Developing this belief not only involves developing your squad's confidence that the job must and will be accomplished, it also involves a deeper understanding that their individual sacrifices and efforts are necessary and relevant. What do you gotta do? Instill confidence. Leadership from the front is particularly effective. Your Marines will always respond when they see that you are willing to take the same risks as them Make sure you're assigning people to the right jobs Make sure they get rest food quarters Remember four hours a night, you know, we got to keep that going And it says here aside from providing food rest and quarters You must also be concerned with attention to duty You must check to see that positions and weapons are properly located, equipment and weapons are maintained, and that you attend to the numerous other details that make an effective combat unit. This requires that you have discipline and develop a habit of training and critiquing so that lessons learned do not have to be relearned. Maintaining morale and motivation. Know your Marines, who's married, who has kids, how many siblings they have, what special circumstances are they under. Provide a break in routine. This is sort of attached to what I was saying earlier, but I like this example. When possible, provide an opportunity for relaxation and recreation. At Con Tien in 1967 during a prolonged period under artillery enemy fire, one unit Held a tobacco spitting contest judging accuracy and range. Everyone participated in some humorous situations, resulted. So that's a good one.
1: Isn't tobacco, have you ever seen tobacco? There's like True actual tobacco. tobacco competitions. Have you ever seen oh, that before? Oh, no, I have not. Yeah. What do you do? Spit? Yeah. That that right, what they just said, uh, accuracy and range, like they'd. I remember that. I remember this. <laughs> accuracy and range. That there, there's like little techniques to do it though. Mm. So one, like there's a what do you call split finger technique, where Ooh, like you do some something. Uh, it was weird. Yeah, it was odd. Skills, huh? Yeah, it was. It was kind of gross. But I remember that being a thing. Check.
0: There's a section here. And it's, this is, again, how to maintain morale and motivation. This is probably one of the most important things. Include subordinates in the decision-making process whenever possible. Again, Leif and I wrote about this. You never have all the answers, and some of your Marines may have good ideas. Listening to your Marines is not required to use their ideas, but it will improve their morale to know that you are willing to listen to them. And by the way, they're going to listen to you more. They're going to listen to you more. Maintaining discipline. Crucial elements. Health. Check the physical condition of your Marines. Foot inspections. Changes in clothing. Hygiene enforcement. Overall personal cleanliness must be continuous. Proper care for cuts, blisters, minor wounds, rashes, and other conditions directly reflect a unit's level of discipline. A unit's health discipline or lack of will affect its ability to fight. Man, check on your people. Make sure the weapons and gear is maintained appropriately. Make sure that people are staying in the game. Make sure they're keeping their helmets on and their their weapon close at hand, all that stuff. That's all important for discipline. Just like treating people with respect, maintaining that military courtesy. Rehashes on that. Combat may not require spit and polish, but it does not remove you from the obligation that you have toward your seniors. Discipline is what separates your squad from a mob of armed civilians. (laughs) Like that. Gotta like that. And building esprit de corps. Marines are competitors. Whatever the event or sport, they like to be challenged and they like to win. If you engage your Marines in competition against another unit, your Marines will band together to overcome the challenge, which will build a spree de corps. It's so good to have competitions. Whatever you're doing, you got a sales team, let's get some sales teams competing. You got competition on your manufacturing line. Let's see you can have the most squared away workspace in the office. Let's see you can have the most squared away job site at the construction company. And let's judge it. High standards come from teaching your Marines and then consistently correcting them. It's a bit strong when I read that. Like, mm. dude, you don't want to be constantly correcting everyone. Mm. I guess it says consistently. Consistently correct. Even that. I'm going to back off a little bit. Mm. I'm going to focus on what matters, mm. but I'm going to pay attention if there's some slack happening. I'm not going to let it get out of control. Mm. But don't don't expend a ton of leadership capital on that. Don't Don't let that happen. Foster team thinking as a leader your squad consists of three fire teams, each with its own personality and capability. During platoon or squad training, have your fire teams compete against one another. Let the losing fire teams do the winners cleanup. Like those are the kind of things good to go. Talks about um, when you train, train for the conditions of combat. This is something that's important is the way you do th- the way you train impacts everything that you do. So, and and you'll you'll mimic what you do in training with everything that you do. So for instance, we we had rules when I was running Trade at like as soon as we rolled out of the gate, one of these platoons rolled out of the gate, it was a tactical mission. Mm. And so there was no like, oh, hold on a second. We, you know, we got a flat tire. No, it's like, you got a flat tire. You're changing that thing. It's tactical.
1: Mm.
0: You got some word to pass, do it tactically. Mm. There's a vehicle gets stuck. Hey, hold on. We got to. no, no, no. It's freaking tactical. So that that's how you keep that. And even like a resupply. Oh, we need more water. We just don't walk up to the freaking water buffalo and start filling our canteens. No, you figure out a place to resupply, you set up a resupply. Mm.
1: When you say it's tactical, like what? It's not like a nonchalant scenario kind of thing. Like, kind of like it's. You stay disciplined with the way you. Stay disciplined. Okay. Stay disciplined.
0: all kinds of opportunities when you're doing that type of training to just, to just like, okay, well, kind of go admin.
1: I understand. Yeah. Matter of fact,
0: we used to say that. Hey, don't go admin right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's almost like you're pausing the actual training. Yeah. But you're saying, no, mm-hmm. this is still part of the training. The training is still on.
0: And you know what? The trade act guys, my guys influence that. Mm. So if my guys were coking and joking, it would, it would immediately, well, not immediately, in a lot of cases, it would transfer over to the platoon. Mm. So if you got your if your trade act guys are like shooting the shit oh,
1: yeah.
0: because we're not part of the platoon that's supposed to being tactical, mm. it 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 like spreads.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can see So that.
0: we would all act like we would be tactical. Yeah. There's so many fun- <laughs> I, had a, I had a little moment of memory because JP and I were out on FTX and in the FTX we do at Echelon Front, we use this high-speed laser tag system, which is really cool. But in trade at, a lot of time we use paintball or munition, which is shooting paint rounds. And so one of the things that you could do as an instructor is as, like, let's say a platoon's walking down the street or they're walking down a hallway Mm -hmm. and I was grading them or watching them, I would go up and sort of like cover my face and kind of crouch down as if I was about to get shot with paintballs.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you'd see like the the platoons would get so hyped like you could see they're just instantly going to full alert mode yeah, yeah, yeah. cuz they think they're about, about to get shot. Yeah. And so, yeah, we'd have like I'd, I'd have like a little like uh, put my hand up over my face just to kind of hide from the impact of this ammunition.
1: And you'd do that one like the training is not going on kind of a thing? Or when would you do that? Let's
0: say a platoon is walking down a hallway.
1: During a training exercise? During a training exercise. And and they,
0: of course, there's a thought in their mind like, hey, we we might get shot at right now. But when they see me covering up my face and covering up like my groin with my hand (laughs) because I don't want to get shot. Sure. Or if they see JP like holding his face and putting his hand over his right, over right. his crotch because he didn't want to get shot, when as soon as they see that right. out of the corner of their eye, they're like, "Oh, it's coming." Because you know okay. we're a trade at, we yes. know what's coming. Yeah,
1: you're the instructors. So yeah. not Okay. okay gotcha. <laughs> uh, there's actual like pranks on YouTube. I said I don't really condone the pranks, but mm-hmm. you can watch them on YouTube where people will do that kind of stuff. Where just in public, like the people just in public, like mm-hmm. they'll like cover themselves oh, just like, like oh, something yeah, might yeah, be like coming something or something like that. Yeah, and then and watch yeah, the people yeah, react for sure. the exact same way. So it seems like an element of nature there where yeah. it's like yeah of course. And know? then you
0: it's not just an element of nature to trade at trade because you are probably about to get shot. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, but that's sir. important as a trainer that you you maintain that high level of professionalism and you can't be coking and joking when you expect the platoons to be tactical and you're right. sitting around like an idiot. Yeah. Uh, there's an example in here from Chesty Puller from the book Marine, which we covered on the podcast. Bad news only increased the tempo of Puller's training. He cornered Colonel Pedro de Ball, the great gunner who commanded the 11th Marines, and he said, Colonel, you'll be starting artillery training next week. I want you to let me know when you'll fire. I want to get my troops under it as often as I can. Every day afterward, the men of 1-7 were in the field and the 11th Marines were firing. Shells streamed overhead until the whoosh of flying metal became as familiar as rifle fire. There were many bursts nearby, but no accidents. Polar was the only battalion with such training. He's just taking his guys out, getting them conditioned to, well, to freaking bombs going over your head. So good stuff. And the last little section here that just talks about fitness. Physical and mental fitness combat is physically grueling. The demands made on your squad are going to be extreme and vary with the environment in which you are operating. Routine physical training in Camp Lejeune or Camp Pendleton is not going to prepare your Marines for the oppressive heat and humidity of Okinawa or the extreme cold of a Norwegian winter. Demanding but creative combat-oriented physical training will serve as a better way of getting your squad into shape. And then it says mental fitness map exercises, tactical exercises without troops, and professional reading all help to prepare you and your Marines for decision-making in combat. These forms of training are not exclusive to officers and senior NCOs. They're a way of practicing war fighting intelligently without having to bring your entire squad into the field. And you do get better at decision-making. You do. I would got to see that all the time in trade it, and I still get to see it with, with leaders that we work with at Eslam Front. They get better at taking a step back. They get better at detaching. They get better at analyzing things and they get better. So, that and also that mental and physical fitness that we're talking about is not just for you as an individual, it's for your teams. That's what it's for. And if you're a leader, you're responsible for your teams. And that means whether you're working in business, whether you're working in the military, whether you're a first responder, or whether you are a mom or a dad, because you got a family, and you're responsible for the physical and mental fitness of your troops. So there you go. And I think this manual reinforces the fact that combat is like life, and it's like life, it's just amplified and intensified, because obviously there's more at stake, but the, the lessons apply the discipline, the mental and physical fitness. Telling the truth so we're not getting rumors. Leading from the front, confronting your fears, supporting other people, having discipline. Not imposing discipline on your team. Asking your team questions. Letting them come up with a plan. All these things are in here. Universal lessons for being a better combat leader and really universal lessons for being a better human being speaking of which echo Mm -hmm. charles we're trying to be better human beings across the board
1: yes we are we're on the path on the program that's what we are i don't like saying on the program that as much because it indicates that like it's kind of this unique like you're on the program versus you're Mm -hmm. you're off the program like you don't like you don't necessarily have to be on the program the whole time the path is just a way Mm -hmm. it's the way Mm -hmm. so we're all on the path we're working out reading. We're listening, Uh listening more than we're talking, hopefully, Hopefully, generally speaking. We hope so. Yes. We hope so. Um, Through that path, you will need supplementation or it'll, I'll put it this way, it'll benefit you a lot. You'll be be that much better off Mm -hmm. on this path because it's not always easy. Trust me, I know. So, yes. So, let's start with energy drinks. If you're into energy drinks, Mm -hmm. got good news. We've got a healthy energy drinks called Discipline Go by Speaking of
0: unique, that's a unique thing, by the way.
1: A, a healthy energy
0: drink doesn't yep. exist except for right here.
1: There you go. Yep. True story.
0: There's other people that are like, oh, well, ours is healthy, but we put 350 milligrams of caffeine yep. into it. Yeah. It's not healthy. You can't call that healthy. can't put a label on it that calls it healthy. It's a lot. You can't put sugar in there and say it's healthy. You can't yep. put chemicals in there and call it healthy. That doesn't work. Yep. That's not the truth. I agree, yeah. Fully. Totally. So we have something legitimately healthy.
1: Yep. Good to go. Yes, sir. Yep, discipline go. Boom, many flavors. 8 of them if I'm not mistaken. I think mango's the best one. Mm. Seems to be uh
0: seems to be what the robots like as well. That's, huh? you know, many <laughs> many
1: entities like the mango. It's a good one, you know. But hey, choose for yourself, but the good news is there's options, is what yeah. I'm saying as far as flavors go. Um again, a healthy one. There's no real energy drink out there like it. And you look, you can have an energy drink. Mm-hmm. Boom. Get the upside. Yep. Also, Discipline Go is also a pre-workout. There's yeah. a pre-workout form. Okay. For the last few days, I drink coffee. want mm-hmm. coffee. Am I addicted to coffee? Mm, I don't think so.
0: How many cups a day? Oh, One every day?
1: Two. Like two. Oh, okay. Two every day. Maybe three, okay. but it's all at once. Jeez. like in the morning. Okay. okay. Whatever. Yeah, it's like a big coffee. Whatever. Okay. I'd say almost every day. But mm-hmm. if I don't have it, i don't get a headache or nothing yeah. like that. So, I don't know that I'm addicted to mm-hmm. coffee. Okay. So, what's even, up
0: with that pre-workout?
1: So, for the past three days I have no coffee. But I worked out first thing in the morning. Actually you. more than three days. Okay. Yeah, more than three days. Um, but I work out in the morning, so I'm not gonna drink a coffee, then do the pre workout, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like it's kinda double what do you call double dipping unnecessary. So you're going straight to the pre workout. Straight to the pre workout. One scoop and a half, by the way. Okay. I don't get the weird not it, here's the thing the jitter of the coffee, and it's not really a jitter for me anymore. It's more of just a little buzz kind of a mm-hmm. thing. You don't get that from the pre-workout. I don't even mind the jitter, by the way, that Mm -hmm. buzz or whatever. I don't mind that. But I did notice that you don't get it. But I'll tell you what you do get. A kick-ass workout. (laughs) So you don't even need the coffee. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So anyway, yeah, so you can use it as a pre-workout. Again, it's powder. It's good. Tastes just as good. Mix it with whatever you want, water, whatever. Um, But very good. This will help you on the path when you're working out. Trust me, you want to be that much more better off when you're on it. Trust me. Um, also, we got some protein. This is high quality protein, Desert. right? Yes, sir. Just dessert. And it tastes very, very good, if that means anything to you. Yeah. If you want to choke down low quality pro- protein that tastes kind of junk, this is not the one for you, but this one is good. Yeah,
0: you're, you're going to mm-hmm. want that gratification of just eating
1: something that tastes delish. You know, right? the you ever, <laughs> you ever seen the meme or whatever it is? That's like, oh, yeah, you can eat whatever, whatever. And it's like, oh, that face you make when now I want something sweet. Mm -hmm. Right. I haven't seen that meme. There's a meme. And there's funny ways of presenting it, but it comes Mm -hmm. in all different forms or whatever. Um, But it always reminds me of that. You know, it's essentially usually someone who's like. Let's say they overconsume. We'll say that. And, you know, I'm super full, but now I want something sweet kind of a thing. Like, mm-hmm. that's a thing or whatever. Well, no. it
0: seems to be a thing for me because <laughs> uh-huh. I be drinking monk. Even, even after I have a straight-up tomahawk steak. I, I think that's why it's the mean I'm is like, a, you know. I would say yeah, it's true. more, I would say s- 65% of the time mm. when I get done eating something that is like, uh steak mm. i still want to have a little bit of a little dessert i want to have a little milk i'm getting on the milk train
1: do you drink milk just in general like oh i'll just have a cup of milk or gossip milk it's gonna have milk in it because why yeah.
0: would i even well, that's like just the, one of the dumbest things i've ever heard
1: no but you <laughs> know like okay so i'll tell you this. i like, guess if i was gonna if i
0: was gonna let's say we had a little scenario happening where i was gonna have a chocolate chip cookie
1: right yes,
0: sir. Uh Then milk with no milk would be in play,
1: but you know how some people drink Uh, milk with dinner. That's the norm I had a
0: keto mm, uh, Peanut butter and chocolate cake the other day pretty amazing pretty amazing Uh, Very shockingly amazing, but I also had a little bit of milk milk regular milk because it was that was kind of the That was what I was feeling. Yeah, but the keto chocolate peanut butter cake Credit was given
1: trying to be what's the purpose of keto chocolate peanut butter cake
0: because then you're not there's, there's there's two things look I could tell you that Hey, you know, you want to stay in ketosis and all this stuff. I wasn't even in ketosis When I did that right, but here's the thing when if you if right now if you and I sat down and ate a piece of like whatever just giant chocolate cake filled with sugar I would feel like crap. Would you feel like crap? Maybe in two hours? Yes,
1: okay. probably. I would
0: feel, I would feel like crap in like two hours. I'd be like, oh, I am f- whatever. Uh, what's the word? Uh, lethargic, lethargic. Yeah. yeah in two yeah. hours okay. or yes, maybe even in like, you. yes, it probably doesn't even take an hour.
1: Immediately. Yeah. I, I'm not you.
0: immediately, but you're like, Oh, I just doused my system with freaking sugar yeah. and you feel like crap.
1: Yeah.
0: When you, when I had this and I've had several keto ish, desserts yeah. right yeah. and the, they're good mm-hmm. and then you go oh, i still feel pretty freaking good you yeah, know okay so that's why i understand yeah i'd rather have that and, and i'm telling you they're they're kind of like milk. you know you can have a milk like it's a milkshake yeah you can have one of these and you're not like oh i still really want a real peanut butter freaking chocolate cake or whatever yeah you know
1: yeah yeah um yes certain things don't pair well though with like chocolate cake or keto chocolate peanut butter cake mm-hmm. or whatever, like like it's too much chocolate. Like let's say milk didn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. You, you eat a chocolate chip cookie, mm-hmm. you drink some white milk with Yeah, it. you don't want chocolate milk with no, it. No, oh, it's too yeah, much, it sure. doesn't pair well. Exactly right. The mulk, the pairings. I, I pair some stuff every once in a while. Like, but here's the thing, my pairing is kind of off. When I eat chili, you know like chili? Mm-hmm. Chili and rice, maybe some cornbread, if we're lucky. Um, I like milk with chili. Is that, okay. That's weird, right? That seem like don't know. that's the jam. It seems like a good call. I think it's yeah. a good call, yeah, for sure. When
0: I was a kid, my mom would make spaghetti, and I would just sit there at the table, like the rest of the family would be done, gone for an hour, and I'd be sitting there just eating spaghetti, and I would have a gallon of milk and just pouring glasses of milk and just pounding. <laughs> okay,
1: it. so that's exactly you know that what time I was frame
0: asking? when you're. I don't know. Four, 13, 14, 15, 16, your stomach is literally a bottomless pit. Yeah, brother, you cannot so true. eat enough. So true. Yep. You can't. My mom said I used to be like asleep in the car when I was like 12 or 13 yeah. and just wake up and be like, can we get food right now? And yeah. my mom said, if I didn't, if we didn't get over to a Mickey D's mm. stat, yeah. then I'd start getting hangry.
1: Brother, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand fully. And that is a thing. Yeah. That's weird. That And you... I never thought about that specifically but I do remember mm-hmm. where like okay so I have this cousin Eben Eben Charles by the way mm-hmm. um Eben E B A N E B O N if uh, I'm not mistaken E okay. B O N huh I forget how to spell it. Nonetheless, Evan. <laughs> um, he so he came to visit, and we're the same age. So mm-hmm. he was but or he would maybe a uh, year older than us. I forget. So I think same age, and we we're. I remember because we we're in like sixth or seventh grade. But he was huge. He's huge, like mm. tall dude, super tall. And he would drink a whole half gallon yeah. of, of juice. You know the half oh, gallon contents man. of juice, the whole thing. He just drank it. I was like, bro, like I can understand <laughs> like that. That juice is delicious, and I said But man, I'm not like. I'm not ready for that. That's a lot of <laughs> juice to drink just in one go like that. <laughs> and that's a lot. Two years later, I remember drinking a whole half gallon of oh, juice. Yeah,
0: because you were in the zone.
1: Yeah, well, because I grew up. Yeah. To you know, I don't think I was even his size, but I was like at that time I was like, yeah, maybe 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. So I drink the whole thing, and I remember thinking, oh yeah. Evan was pounding this juice the same way, but I get it now, bro. When you're thirsty, you just want to pound that juice. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm saying? Sure. But yes, the, and yes, I am thinking your stomach is kind of like a bottomless pit. You eat the whole thing yeah. of cereal, uh, whole thing, you know? whole thing, like it's nothing. Jockasaurus just pounding milk, yeah, a whole for shit. Nonetheless, milk, milk, put get, milk in get there, on the put train. whatever, yeah. And there's a good a lot of cool little recipes you can add to the flavors if you want. It's not necessary. Totally not, sir. But if you want, you can you can enhance that monk if you like. Um, also, for your immunity and for things that you don't want to wor- want to worry about, try a workout. Try lift weights if you're mm-hmm. into lifting weights, which you should be. I think you should be. Yes. Yep. Doctors think you should be. I, from what I'm understanding more and more, uh, resistance training and weights, are, in my opinion, the best form of resistance mm-hmm. training is the healthiest thing you can do for you, barring like ailments. You got heart things, situations, all this stuff. And of course, cardiovascular has a lot of health benefits. But as far as like immunity, uh, balance of hormones, uh, cognitive, like all these benefits, resistance training, yeah. from what I understand, has proven to be Wheel the best thing. we're lifting if you're lifting heavy Mm -hmm. and you're let's say your (laughs) joints let's say your joints aren't all that we'll say or Mm -hmm. they're bothering you whatever your body will not let you lift heavy Mm -hmm. it'll try to be like hey let's not lift heavy
0: yep yes it's it's bad (laughs)
1: it is. <laughs>
0: it's bad, and it's your body telling you that, and it's your body actually saying, hey, look, we wish you could, but you can't.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like— It's
0: your body going, hey, you're old now. Just forget about it. Just give up. D-O-R.
1: Yeah, maybe not the D-O-R, but <laughs> but kind of along those lines. You see what I'm saying? Let's say the morale of your body tends to lower and lower when your joints, your oh, immunity, yeah. all this stuff. Um, and it's a natural Dude, mechanism. I surfed
0: yesterday. My shoulders were—
1: uh, it's weird they, they were just sore not like
0: uh injured or anything like this but yeah. like that motion yeah. and i not too much i've been surfing like every day for a couple maybe like a week oh, yeah, sure. and my shoulders are tired yeah. sore but not sore injured like oh i can't paddle right, right. you know so it's there you go and yeah. those shoulders got some miles on them man uh, yeah, and I we're understand. just joint warfare it up. I understand, Bro, just, yes. Joint warfareed up. So,
1: for these ailments, joint warfare, super krill, mm-hmm. that'll keep everything in the game. And then, then the, there's the vitamin D3 and the cold war that'll keep your immunity in the game, which Boom. you need, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Strong immunity, strong, strong life, man. Boom.
0: 100%. Boom. But yeah. Boom. You, yeah, you can get this stuff, by the way. <laughs> you can get this stuff at, at jogglefuel.com. Mm. You can get this stuff. You get the drinks at Wawa. We got some other convenience stores coming online pretty quick. We're already in a bunch more, but I should put together a list of those. So, yes, Wawa, you can get all the stuff at Vitamin Shop as well. Go in there if you want to try something out. There you go. If you subscribe to any of this stuff, which I recommend, then you can subscribe on JockoFuel.com and you'll get shipping for free. Because, look, let's face it, we're competing with big, there's a big company around I've heard of that's shipping stuff for free. It's true. Even though they charge you money, kind of. Yeah, they do you, actually, not kind of, they do charge you yeah, money.
1: Yeah, yeah, huh, the membership. So
0: free shipping, what does that really mean? It means I paid you money and you're shipping, was that free? Prepaid shipping. Who are we, what are we doing? Is that where we're at?
1: Yeah, I that's where we're at, yes yeah. sir, it is.
0: So we're not gonna charge you to subscribe, you subscribe and you get free shipping. We're giving you a better deal yeah. than some of those other big companies.
1: It's essentially just a recurring, it's not even like a paid subscription. It's yeah. a discount subscription, essentially. <laughs> Boom, win-win. Good to go. Yep, good to go. Um, also, Origin USA, this is where you can get your American-made stuff. Mm-hmm. So jeans, boots, some athletic gear, durable goods. Price coming out with some good pants, bro. He had some, um like... What color were they? Like green, like whatever. He he made a post, mm-hmm. Pete or Origin. We got
0: all kinds of stuff coming,
1: bro. It said next uh, print camo, and I think they're like camo jeans.
0: we we've got stuff coming, bro. We are we are investing. Look, when we say we're gonna, we've been, when we say this is rebuilding America and rebuilding manufacturing America, does that mean when we make money we go oh cool we made money let's go uh, you know buy a freaking new Corvette. Right? No, no we're no, not buying Corvettes. No, sir. tell you what we're doing. We're buying more factory. We're buying more equipment. We're buying more material. We're reinvesting back right back into this, this mission. Yeah. So when you get a pair of jeans, thank you. Cause it's gonna allow us to make more jeans. It's gonna allow us to make, we're bringing out a whole line. Origin hunt, you probably heard me talking about it on, on Joe Rogan. We got all that is in full swing. Mm-hmm. Full swing getting that stuff designed getting it. We're doing the test various uh, of the various um, layouts that we're using mm-hmm. So this stuff is coming
1: Yep,
0: and it's gonna be made in America a hundred percent. That's what we're doing So we appreciate the support originusa.com we're, we are we meaning you listen to this right now It's not just it's not just us at the company we can't we can't rebuild manufacturing in America without the support of you. This just won't, will not work. It will not work. If you don't believe in rebuilding America, then this thing fails. If you don't believe in bringing manufacturing back to America, this thing fails. When you support, though, we're going to be unstoppable. And you know what? I'm willing to bet. Pete's willing to bet. In fact, we're betting the farm. We're betting everything. We're betting everything that America will come together and and help us bring manufacturing back to America. And listen, we are in an economic war. We are in an economic war with China. This is factually what's going on. We are in an economic war with China. And you and me and origin, we are on the front lines of the economic war. We are the shock troops so we appreciate the sport, OriginUSA.com.
1: Oh, yeah. Some jujitsu stuff on there as well. Best gis in the world. Literally the yes. best gis in the world, and kind of by far.
0: Because speaking she of combat, to. you want to be in economic combat, we want to win. You also want to win on the mats of justice. <laughs> so get yourself a Origin Gi. I know there's a lot of them out there. Oh, yeah. A lot of people, if you're gonna, look, if you're, if you're training jujitsu, which you should be, if you're not training jujitsu, start training jujitsu, <laughs> and then get an Origin Gi represent, otherwise, again, you you might be winning the combat front on the mats, but now you're losing the economic war against China. Think about that. Like, oh, cool, I'm winning, I can beat, I can tap this person. Oh, but I'm, my nation is losing a war against a, another communist regime. Is that where you're at? Origin USA, people. Yep, it's
1: true. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's. Bring it. Also, Jocko the store, it's called. Jocko Store. So you go to jockostore.com. This is where you can get your shirts, hats, hoodies, some shorts on there. Discipline equals freedom. Represent while you're on this path.
0: Stand by to get some.
1: Stand by to get some. Good. All day. Good. All day. Also, there's a shirt locker. That's our subscription service. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Some good designs on there. Good designs coming up. Got a Valentine's Day design. It's actually dude, not. you it's gotta not, be kidding! It right? is not a Valentine's Day design. Proved. It's totally here. So I shouldn't even have said Valentine's no, Day. You shouldn't have. But it does come out in February. Because I'm mad about it now. There's the color red on it. How about that? There's no heart is on it. Is the
0: color red from blood dripping from a sword? <laughs>
1: That's classified. (laughs) (laughs) Nonetheless, there's some good designs Uh, on there, past and present, of course. Uh, If you're a member, you can even buy and you're like, hey, uh, what about the past designs? Do I have access to those? Because they they come out once a month and they're kind of gone. They're not gone anymore. You do have access. Once you're a member, you have access to the past designs. So boom, that's an added benefit and upgrade. Right on. Just by becoming a member. Boom.
0: There you go. Subscribe to this podcast. Also, don't forget about the Unraveling Podcast. Just recorded another episode with DC. And we are also just set some things up so that we can start doing more of those. And we're also gonna do, we're gonna start talking about what's going on in the world a little bit more timely. So when things happen, look, we're not gonna chase the 24-hour news cycle because I'm not chasing the 24-hour news cycle because at least 80% of the 24-hour news cycle is bullshit that doesn't matter. But there is 20% that is strategic, that needs to be talked about, that needs to be explored. And so DC and I are going to start putting that out more often. So be ready for that. That's the Jocko Unraveling podcast. We also have the Grounded podcast. We got the Warrior Kid podcast. We also have Jocko Underground, jockounderground.com. Again, we look, we don't know what's going to happen with all these platforms. There's massive influence in the tech world that is that is controlling the platform that you're listening to this right now. And we don't know what they're going to do with it. We don't know if they're inserting uh, advertisements into when we're trying to put out some word or we're trying to explain, you know, what's what's going on in the world. So we have jockunderground.com if we ever need it. It's there as a contingency if you want to be there and you want to help us support then go to jockounderground.com. It costs $8.18 a month. If you can't afford that, we still want to support you. So if you can't afford that, email assistance at jockounderground.com, and we'll we'll figure it out. But we appreciate your support there as well. We have a YouTube channel. And on the YouTube channel, Echo makes videos, and then I usually give him the key element that makes his videos good. (laughs) Look, they'd be good.
1: Thanks, Jock.
0: They would be good, mm-hmm. but usually there's one little element that needs to be <laughs> added in there, you know? Yeah. And I'm always here for you.
1: That's where you come Assistant in. Assistant director. The, the, yes, sir. Thank you for that. Also, the video version of this podcast, by the way.
0: Mm, if you want to see what t shirt Echo Charles is wearing, yep. then you at, can do at that. At any
1: moment. It's true. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Also, Psychological Warfare, which is an album with Jocko on each track telling you how to get through your moment of weakness. This is an effective tool. It's a digital tool. So yeah, you can get that wherever MP3s are offered.
0: FlipsideCanvas.com, Dakota Meyer, making awesome stuff to hang on your wall. Got a bunch of books. Final Spin, Leadership, Strategy, and Tactics, The Code, The Evaluation, The Protocol, Discipline, Freedom, Field Manual. Weigh the Warrior Kid. Weigh the Warrior Kid. One, two, three, and four. Get those books for every kid that you know. You will do so much to enhance their life and get them moving in the right direction. Mikey and the Dragons for the little kids. About Faced by Hackworth. I wrote the forward on the new version, Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomy of Leadership that I wrote with my brother Leif Babin who I also have a leadership consultancy with called Echelon Front where leadership is the solution. Go to echelonfront.com if you want us to come and help you with your company. If you want to come to one of our live events, And you can also check out our online training, the academy called ExtremeOwnership.com. If you want to learn to take ownership of your life, of your business, of your family, of your fitness, of your health, then go to ExtremeOwnership.com. I'm on there two, three times a week live to interact. You want a question for me? Just go on there and ask it. Extremeownership.com. And if you want to help service members active and retired, their families, gold star families, check out Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. She's got an amazing charity organization and she helps veterans and their families so much. Go to AmericasMightyWarriors.org if you want to donate or you want to get involved. And if you want any more of my lame lectures or you need any more of Echo's disorienting declarations, you can find us on the interwebs, on the gram, on the Facebook, on the Twitter, on Getter. Echoes at Echo Charles. I am at Jocko Willink. And to the Army, Navy, Air Force, and for this manual today, especially for the Marine Corps. Thank you for being leaders, doing the toughest job in the world, and that is going into combat. And to our police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, Border Patrol, Secret Service, and all first responders, thank you for doing what you do here at home. Also, an incredibly tough job, which is keeping us safe. Thank you. And everyone else out there, think about all these factors. Not just for leading Marines, but for leading yourself. And it says in the book, the self-discipline is the most important quality. It is your personal duty to yourself. And if you develop this discipline, then like a disciplined marine, you will hold sturdy against anything that's thrown at you. Based on that firm inner conviction that you will not falter, you will not flounder, you will not fail. And to Demonstrate that discipline. To demonstrate that discipline, you have to show self-reliance. You have to have self-control. And you have to have initiative to make things happen. So take some initiative. Go out there and get after it. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.